millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. On DAB Digital Radio and 1089 and 1053 AM, Fight Night with Adam Catterall on Talk Sport. Welcome to Fight Night on Talk Sport. I'm Adam Catterall alongside me as ever, dashing in from the United States of America. I'm amazed that he hasn't got an accent as of yet. It is the one and only Mr. Gareth A. Davis. How are you, sir? I'm good, Adam. Uh, it's, uh, it's been a very busy week in the world of fight sports. We have got so much to talk about you know tons tons to get through between now and midnight tonight so make sure you stick with us and don't forget if you are nipping out i understand it's busy 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 in your life maybe you're out tonight for a bit of something to eat but you love the fight chat you can get this as a podcast so make sure you subscribe via itunes fight night is what you're looking for and you can also get the lot on an android feed via our website talksport.com now coming up we hope to be speaking to callum smith and Carl Frampton on the show. Fingers crossed. Uh, they've got the phone switched on so we can get them on and have a little bit of a chinwag. Gareth's been out in the States having having a little bit of time with Amir Khan because he's now teamed up once again with Virgil Hunter. It'd be great to hear from him and how that camp has started for their big fight against Terence Crawford. And I've spent a bit of time with a man that retired this week in George Groves. The boys are out at the Super Bowl. Will Gavin and Ollie Hunter. That's uh, something that you can hear on TalkSport uh, live and exclusive tomorrow evening or in the early hours of Monday morning, should I say. And uh, on Radio Raw this week, there's been quite a lot of American boxers that have been turning up to support various uh, American football teams, one of which being Deontay Wilder. So we hope to hear from him as well a little bit later on in the programme. How was the States, my man? You were out at Bellator last week, weren't you? Yeah, that was very good, Adam. Uh, Sunday, it's always a brilliant venue, the the forum, and uh, the old uh, mixed martial arts great Fedor Emelianenko probably showing that he really does creak like a battleship these days when he has to turn. <laughs> and uh, he got badly beaten by by Ryan Bader, one of the emerging, or kind of, he's probably, yeah, he is still emerging. That's fair to say. He's an emerging star in mixed martial arts. But the week after, I went to Oakland and uh, dropped in on, on Amir Khan and mm-hmm. Virgil Hunter. Um, I know we've got lots to talk about with them later on. And it was fascinating in there, you know, Adam, because in one corner of the gym was... Um, Estelle Mosley and uh, Tony Yoker as well, their husband and wife, mm. and they're both gold medalists from the, uh, the the Rio Olympic Games, both for France, of course. Mm. There's some there's some amazing things going on, and Amir was telling me the funniest thing of all he told me was that, um, apart from some revelations that I'll give you later on in the show, is that um, he's the oldest guy in training in the gym there now, and that says it all, really. You know, it's interesting that. You know. And he's only 31. There he's you go. Only, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, right then, let's get stuck into the big three stories of the week then, shall we? Here we go.
We're going to speak about this uh, in great length in the next 15 to 20 minutes or so, so do stick with us, and it's all heavyweight-based. Uh, you will have seen Gareth uh, writing an exclusive article with Dillian White earlier on this week, revealing that April 13th at Wembley Stadium is off. We kind of thought that... With it being so long now into the actual negotiation period, there might be a little bit of a problem. Gareth had that with Dillian earlier on this week, and we've just heard as well uh, from Anthony Joshua in this leaked phone call, Gareth. Highly amusing that uh, somebody would maybe tape a call with uh, AJ, stick it on the old internet, and in that, he says that he's off to the States. Any surprises? No, no surprises, but I would have said that when we broke on December the 22nd, last fight of the year, we would not be saying... Uh, on the 2nd of February, Adam, that uh, neither Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury has been made, nor has Anthony Joshua against either Dillian White or Gerald Miller. Mm. And, you know, uh, I'll, I'll quote Jack Dempsey on that. When you're fighting, you're fighting for one thing, money. And that is what this has all come down to in the end. It's very, very interesting. Number two on the list this week. I've got to go to the World Boxing Super Series. In the ring, they've provided us with some of the greatest matchups. No question about that. We saw Alexander Usyk become the undisputed cruiserweight champion. But outside the ring, logistically, it's been a little bit of a mess. And we saw a little bit of back and forth in a chess match this week. Ivan Baranchik announced that he was, or his manager announced, that they were pulling out of the tournament this year. The day after, the World Boxing Super Series responded by saying that the Josh Taylor World Title fight has now been made for May the 18th in Glasgow. <laughs> However, the day after that, Baranchik's manager comes out and said, I don't know what they're talking about. We're not competing. It is an absolute farce, isn't it? Yeah, it's a really, really weird situation. Again, I'll quote Jack Dempsey. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, Let me quote Jack Dempsey. When you're fighting, you're fighting for one thing, money. There you go. This is the, there's a theme running with this. I don't know if you've picked up on it yet between me and Gareth. Uh, number three this week. This guy's no longer fighting for money. Announced uh, earlier on this week that the Saint, George Groves, has decided to call time on his career. And I, for one, am delighted that he's done this. So many fighters, some go on a little bit too long, whether it is, as Gareth will tell me in two minutes, fighting for money, mm -hmm. um, or whether it is that the fire just won't leave them. He's only 30 years of age, George Groves. He's achieved everything in the game. He's been well recompensed for that. And I'll tell you something, fair play to him for calling time now and going off to go and spend some time with his lovely young family. Yeah, he's done the right thing. Uh, George has always had good timing, Adam, and I think this is perfect, but there's a very poignant quote which I took from his statement, um, which was that, lastly, a prayer for Edward Goodneck, who suffered mm, a brain aneurysm. Absolutely. You'll have talked to him about this in your long interview with him later in the show, but after our fight in November 2016, he's put into an induced coma for three weeks and bravely fought his way back to consciousness. He lives in Germany with his wife, three children, and full-time carer. Mm. That's what was on George's mind as well. He's been in some battles. He's retired at the right time. He's made a lot of money, not least against Carl Frotcher, that second fight in Wembley. I know we, you've done a brilliant interview with him later, George retired at the right time. He can write his sitcoms now. Absolutely. And you'll hear George speaking about all those subjects uh, a little later on this show. They're the big three. When you when you look back now that uh, obviously George has called time on his career, Gareth, when you, when, you, when you now look back at that career, how, how will he be judged, do you feel? Oh, he's definitely one of Britain's top middle uh, super middleweights. Um, um, look... You look at the British super middleweights that have been and have been extremely successful. The top two that come to mind, really, I know we had the Eubank, uh, Nigel Ben era, but, but Joe Calzaghe and Carl Froch are the two standouts for me in many ways. Callum Smith is on the way up now to being if he can produce 
seven or eight great performances in the next three or four years against the very best. Um, and maybe someone like Canelo as well. A lot of people saw Canelo Alvarez, the great Mexican, mm. who could come up and fight him. Um, George... Uh, George will be remembered, you know, for his fights with Carl Froch, um, for the fact that he had a fantastic jab, great physique, um, beat James DeGale in an early opener when fighters don't normally fight each other, stuck through to the end. He was on the he was on the fiftieth on the undercard of the fiftieth fight of Floyd Mayweather's career against Andre Berto, mm. and the night he lost, he only ever lost at world level, mm. um, and and he's 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 a fantastic character, and he and I. I just enjoyed George, and he was honest and authentic, private. Um, yeah, I just, I just liked George. It was, a, it was an absolute pleasure. And sometimes I thought he was too, too intelligent, almost an overthinker for his own good. And mm. I, that's not always good when you're a fighter, you know. Mm. Um, my, I, my lasting memory of him is, is the mental strength side of it. I mean, for him to go. If you think about that devastating knockout against Carl Frank at Wembley, which obviously we've been reminded about many, many occasions, and I'm sure he has, you know, in the world of social media, you have memes and gifts that go around the internet, and he will have been on the receiving end of that, and that must that must toy with your mind. For him to come back, then obviously, as you just said there, get back in with Badu Jack, on a night where he really should have won that fight, but it was a split decision, maybe some bad cornering, I don't know what went on there, but it just didn't necessarily kick in for him. To have three failed world... Uh, title attempts and for him to keep going for him to keep striving on and get the job done against Fedotudinov at Bramall Lane on that big night on the uh, Kelbrook and mm, Spence mm, Jr. Mm, undercard mm, says mm. a lot about the guy you know and, and that's maybe a message that we can all take you know you keep going until the job gets done yeah I mean you know that that sixth round was it the sixth round yeah that's yeah, right sixth yeah. round victory against Tudinov George summoned something very special from himself that night because he was under fire early in that yeah. contest. And he emptied the kitchen sink in that sixth, didn't he? He did, and, and, he, and he, he punched, he thumped Tudinov to a standstill in the centre of the ring, and it was an amazing finish. I remember talking to George afterwards and, and asking him at the press conference, Adam, you know, has the weight lifted? Because I, I thought I could even see it. Yeah, I agree. You could see it in his smile, believe it or not, that the weight had lifted, his face was beaten up. Yeah. Um... You know, I, I go all the way back to fights like Charles Adamu and when he was beaten by Kenny Anderson, um, all those, oh, sorry, I'm knocked down by Kenny Anderson all mm. those years ago um, in a fight at the MEN Arena. He didn't lose the fight, but he was knocked down early. Yeah. And, you know, he had to come back from that. And the biggest thing about George was the mental strength that grew in him as he got older. And, and I think... Um, but he, in the face of defeat, that's happened. That's an amazing thing yeah, to have, it, isn't it? Well, listen, behind the scenes, George has really had to grieve over those losses. I mean, I was there on the night he fought Badu Jack. I was there to Carl Froch fights. I was there on the night he fought Badu Jack. And he couldn't even come and speak to the British media there in, in Las Vegas. He was mm. so disappointed. He got hit too many times by Badu Jack's right hand. Mm. Uh, who couldn't, he couldn't miss at times with it. And, you know, they'd got their tactics wrong. Um, but George has always been in impeccable shape. Um, and I think what happened at the end of his career, he formed an alliance with Shane McGuigan. I know he's told you this in the interview. I'm sure he has. That mm. The alliance with Shane McGuigan gave him a confidence that he hadn't had before. And I wonder, and he didn't thank Adam Booth, mm. his first major trainer in his statement. I wonder whether he was always in the shadow of Adam Booth and David Hay in that, in that process and was always the boy rather than the man. Mm. And, um, you know, the youngster coming up. But no, he, he's, he's, so the original question is, where does he sit? He sits very highly. 
in the top three or four super middleweights of all time in British boxing and definitely mm. a world-class fighter. Mm. Uh, well, we're going to hear from him a little bit later on. That'll be after 11 o'clock on the show, so make sure you're around for that. Um, we've got plenty more guests as well to get through. As I said right at the start of the show, Gareth's been out in the States with Amir Khan, so you're going to hear from him later on. Um, hopefully, Carl Frampton's got his phone switched on, as has Callum Smith, and we'll have a little bit of a chat with them. And hopefully, uh, Dave, the white rhino, uh, Dave Allen, will be joining us as well. So it's an action-packed show, loads to talk about from the world of fight sports. Do stick with us. But next, we're getting stuck into the heavyweights. Don't go anywhere. Uh, you listen to Fight Night on TalkSport with me, Adam Catterall and Gareth Day Davis. Time to get stuck into the heavyweight conversation. It seems every week, Gareth, we're talking about the heavyweight conversation because as you just said there, my friend, who would have thought when we finished the show on the 22nd of December last year, just after Dillian White had knocked out Derek Chisora and um, they're in the ring having a little bit of a chinwag with uh, Anthony Joshua, who would have thought that we'd have been sat here now on 2nd of February and we're still none the wiser as to who's fighting who? Exactly, and and you know, again, I will quote Jack Dempsey: "When you're when you're <laughs> fighting, you're fighting for one thing, money." And we've he was a former heavyweight champion of the world. If people don't know that, but the thing is this, Adam: um, there are, well, according to all the players, there's four players in this at the moment, really, and or five, really, if you add um, uh, White, Jarrell Miller. Anthony Joshua, Tyson Fury, and Deontay Wilder. They're the f big five at the moment vying for places. On the outside is another guy, Bulgarian, called Kubrat Pulev, who may end up, I hope not, fighting Anthony Joshua next. Um, you know, it's, it's a very, very interesting time in the game right now because um, the, the pivotal negotiations that are going on behind the scenes, um, I think, revolve around a kind of an, uh, a substructure of what's going on promotionally in the world and how the the pay-per-view and streaming is being shown and one of the things that is happening definitely you know I do hear this on good authorities that Eddie Hearn is under pressure to take Anthony Joshua to America and that might have kind of created this mm. very slowing effect on it all where you know Dillian White knows this um Gerald Miller knows this. Everyone knows what's going on inside the game. Frank Warren knows it, putting his fight together with Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. And when you've got these very big fights and three undefeated guys who are at the very top and people aren't sure who is the number one, regardless of belts, um, there's, there's so much money to be made. We know the biggest money fights. And, and people don't want to sell out for, for, for lesser money or what they think they're worth. Like, mm. the biggest irony at the moment for me is that last year, Eddie Hearn created Dillian White as a pay-per-view star and yet now doesn't seemingly want to really put him on pay-per-view um, at Wembley Stadium against Anthony Joshua on April the 13th. That, mm. you know, it, it seems obvious. And, you know, as you know, I mean, I did a story in the Telegraph on Friday with Dillian White. He called me up. I was in America still. Um, we had a long conversation over about 55 minutes. And, you know, he basically said, Wembley on April 13th is dead in the water, Adam, he said, you know. Mm. It's dead in the water. So what, you're really not going to fight? He said, no. They've had since September the 22nd to give me an offer to fight Anthony Joshua. And the first offer I got was on January the 10th. And it does, that, 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 that length of time does speak volumes, Adam, for, for what was going on behind the scenes. Mm. Uh, it, no, listen, I'm, I'm, you're preaching to the converted. Let's hear from, the, because they, also this week, there's been that leaked 
um, telephone conversation, and I don't know where this has come from. Well, I think it was his chat to his delivery man or something, wasn't it? It, it sounds like it, yes. <laughs> this is Anthony Joshua. This is allegedly a recording of Anthony Joshua. Eddie Hearn has spoke about this and kind of confirmed that it is Anthony Joshua speaking about it. But just listen to some of the rhetoric that comes out of this, because Joshua is insinuating that the next fight will be in America. How are you? You well? Yeah, good, man, good. Who's it going to be? Ah, uh, this is a big question. You know what? I think we're gonna have to go to the states because I've done everything I can, and everyone don't want to fight, man. Uh, we need a good. I'm I'm up for the states. So I've I've got a pass of the old woman. <laughs> Lucky you, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and everything went back to all the miles, my friend. All right then. Thank you so much. Yeah. All right, man. Good luck with everything. Yeah. I appreciate it, man. Cheers, man. June. I think it's about June time. So. Yeah. So what? Not not happening. April now. I doubt. I, the only thing I can think is if they're trying to make me, you know, stop training, and then, then two weeks later they say, yeah, we want to fight, and then I'm two weeks out of preparation. Yeah. So they might try and catch me dry. Other than that, I feel, in my mind, I'm going to the states. Ah, that'd be that'd be a buzz, that. It'd be good though. Uh, Anthony Joshua there. Don't know who he was speaking to. Allegedly, maybe he's uh, his delivery someone man. someone who got the pass from his missus. That's it. He's, uh, and he reckons it'll be a bit of a buzz. Now, part of that chat there, Gareth, you, will, yeah. you heard, or we allegedly heard, Anthony Joshua say, I've done everything that I can. Now, that is where it kind of falls down a little bit for me. I've done everything that I can to make those fights. As you've just said there, there was an opportunity last September to make the Deontay Wilder fight. Never mind D Dillian White, never mind Tyson Fury. There was an opportunity last September to make the Deontay Wilder fight. Now, for whatever reason, that did not materialise. Mm. Mm. They've obviously announced a second date at Wembley. They fought Povetkin. And don't get me wrong, Anthony Joshua's done nothing wrong in the ring. Sensational against Povetkin. He, you know, he came through a bit of a storm early doors and got the job done and finished that fight and made a bit of a statement. They made a bit of an error announcing uh, that we've got this second day. We have to fill this second day, April the 13th at Wembley Stadium. And that's where it kind of all falls down for me. Because as you've said two moments ago, everybody knows that they've got to fill this day. So everybody now has a little bit of leverage. Well, we know you've got to fill a day, so we can bide our time, we can hold out, we can do whatever we want regarding the negotiation. Anthony Joshua, therefore, then has to maybe give up a little bit of ground, give up a little bit of ego in order to make the fight that the fans wanted, which would have been... Deontay Wilder. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, but, uh, as I said, this is heavyweight boxing. I mean, the th you know, the things that Dillian White was unhappy about, was that there was quite a long catalogue of things, by the way, right? So, you know, he wanted um, a, a more equitable financial offer. Um, and But big in this was insufficient time ahead of the fight being announced for voluntary anti-doping association drug testing. He signed up to their, whatever it is, 24-7-365 program, where they can test him anytime. It's voluntary. Anthony Joshua's not signed up to that. Um, here, here's the thing that happens for me. I think that um, they're... I don't know if self-entitlement is the right word, because he's 22-0, and 0 and he's got three of the world's main world title belts, and he's only missing one to be the, you know, the undisputed unified champion. Um, you know, and Eddie Hearns made him an awful lot of money. Joshua's become a brilliant role model. But when it comes down to the hardcore, diehard um, 
boxing aficionados, there's something missing. Mm. Um, you know, Vladimir Klitschko at Wembley was a great acid test. That's a long time ago. It's two years ago in, in a couple of months' time, Adam. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we haven't seen we haven't seen mistakes particularly. We've seen growth in Anthony's abilities. We've seen a lot of growth in terms of his Graham Norton appearances <laughs> and, and commercial sponsors. And, you know, let's see him get his head down and be in a real scrap. Let's see him go down again and get up and beat people. Let's see him beat Wilder up. Let's let's see him. Can he hit, knock Tyson Fury out, or will he box circles around him for ten rounds? And, and and you know, will it be an incredible fight? I think it will be when it happens. But I think that self entitlement was born out in booking Wembley Stadium and making it public mm-hmm. all that time ago because. There was an assumption, I think a tacit uh, assumption, if you're analysing it psychologically, I suppose, that, that Eddie Hearn and Anthony Joshua believe they run heavyweight boxing right now. The truth is they don't. You know, Joshua doesn't have a big following in America. DAZN isn't big over there yet. Um, they've made very big moves, signing the, the Mexican star Saul Canelo Alvarez for $350 million for 11 fights. And Anthony Joshua obviously would be a big part of Eddie Hearn's two-year into eight-year possible extension that could net him a billion dollars in money. It's incredible money that's on, at mm. stake. So I think behind the scenes, there's, there's this whole kind of algorithm of things going on. But bottom line is, if you really want to win the, the true support of the boxing world and prove you are what you are, what you keep saying in the ring afterwards or you know what you say you know, to the public that you want to unify, then do it. Mm. Take a risk. Take a risk, and it's time. You know, Anthony Joshua's the one making the offers to Dillian White, or whatever it is, three million, four million, five million. They didn't want to talk about money with you. You know, Dillian, as I say, spoke to me for 50 minutes on the phone the other night and said, Look, this is the truth, man. I wanted this fight, I wanted it more than anything else, but I'm not being given 10 to 12 and a half percent of the purse, you know, uh, as a flat fee. I'm not interested in that because I want to return what, what they wouldn't offer. Was he said, All right, if I do agree to a split. You've got to reverse it in the um, in the rematch, you know, um, because they should. He sh- if she- if he beat Anthony Joshua, he should not be signing for the minuscule portion of the purse if he hold- holds three of the belts in the or, rematch. You're talking in the now, rematch. Yeah? yeah, he was unhappy with the rematch conditions that they wouldn't give him. Look, if he beats Anthony Joshua at any point mm. and he holds three of those belts, mm-hmm. he should get an enormous payday around the twenty twenty five million mark, in my view. Something yeah, like there's that, no doubt know? about that. My, but, my, my my thing with D- Dillian is, I mean, and, and I'm treating Dillian separate to Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury, because I think they've got more leverage rather than him. He's done extremely well last year, no question about that. He's number one with the WBC, number one with the WBO. At some point, you would hope that one of those organisations is going to call him as a, a mandatory challenger, and therefore his, his purse split will be high. So it'll be, well, I think it, I think it's just moved now, actually, to 65 35%, hasn't yeah, it, with yeah, the WBO yeah. split, something like that. Yeah. So he, he can he can wait out, and he can, I don't know how long that will be. I mean, he's been number one with the WBC, for two years they haven't called him yet so it's a waiting game for him it might not be this year might not even be next year but at some point he will be called as long as he keeps winning and he will get a a, a nice chunk of money in order to make that fight I just personally look at this and think if he's been offered five million quid to fight at Wembley Stadium for three of the belts against Anthony Joshua I, th- I personally think he should have took it because... No, he- you would have taken it, is what you're saying. You would have taken it. Because I agree with you, because I think the same thing myself. I think, yeah, it's a chance to... Look, and Eddie Hearn said that to me, Adam. The carrot is... 
you're going to earn five million plus upside, whatever the what he means by the upside. It's probably another million, maybe if they if it does really well. And it's a Dillon's shot at the three belts, but, and it's a, and it says shot at the three belts. There's the carrot. That's what Eddie said to me, you know, in response to Dillian's comments on Friday that it's dead in the water, Eddie uh, Anthony. Forget April thirteenth. I want a proper training camp. Mm. Um, so you know, it, it, in many ways, I think if. Dillian is convinced that they didn't really... They'd said they wanted to fight him, but his his argument is, I'm sure with the way it went down, why they didn't contact me till January the 10th, that they're playing a game against me. Mm -hmm. And look, given that he is ranked number one with the WBC, uh, number four with the WBA, Mm -hmm. um, and number one with the WBO, he, weirdly, he is in a position to wait to even fight the undisputed champion, you know? Um, So... You know what Dillian's like. Last year, he had a great year, Adam, mm-hmm. and and his stock really rose. He became almost, almost folkloric last year with the fans, and you know he, he he had an amazing fight with Parker that was thrilling, and he hung on in the end. He and he knocked out uh, Derek Chisora thrillingly, and he knocked out um, Brown really thrillingly, and you know all these guys, you know, are really tough guys to fight against, and he he really did change. And I think I think there's another argument. On Dillian's side, which is, people might not agree with this, but he's the one that's going to have to sell the promotion um, because he's being signed up to be Dylan the villain, villain again, you know? Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, Anthony Joshua will sit back and... Look, it's, it, for me, um, and Lennox Lewis has chimed in on this as well. Um, I agree with a lot of what Lennox said. Oh, I, I really so do. I've got to say, what, I mean, he was saying, look, to be the champion, you got to prove you're the champion. Mm. You've got to go and fight the other champions. You've got to go and fight anyone else out there who is who wants to fight you, who people consider mm. to be better than you. Um, and he was, mm. you know, I'm really glad he came out and said that because he's so respected in the sport. He dodged no one. He wanted to fight everyone. You know, he didn't get to fight Riddick Bowe, of course, which he wanted to do. But he, he's so right. And, you know, I just wonder if... I don't think that the, I don't think the fame and the money has gone to Anthony Joshua's head, but I don't want to hear him talking about business. I no. just want to hear him talking about agree. fighting. Let the promoter do the business end of it, you know. But you know, again, how yeah, it's hard to knock Joshua. He fights for a living. He gives everything he's got. He's an incredibly successful uh, businessman and young sports star, and he doesn't do anything wrong as well. So you know, it's just that that little thing that we want from him, you know. Mm. Do stick with us because this conversation will continue uh, over the next 15 to 10 to 15 minutes. We're going to hear from Deontay Wilder, who's been talking at uh, the Super Bowl this week as well, to our boys uh, who run the NFL show. It's a fascinating uh, insight to his side of uh, the negotiation as well. You listen to Fight Night on Talk Sport. Don't call it a comeback. This is Fight Night on Talk Sport every single Saturday evening. Myself, Adam Catterall, and Gareth A. Davis go through the week's events. Uh, if we're not ringside, of course, uh, and obviously uh, give our opinions on everything that's going on in the world. And there's no more hotter topic than the heavyweight division in the world of boxing right at this moment in time. Before we continue our conversation, Gareth, um, Deontay Wilder's in Atlanta. He's at the, uh, the, uh, the NFL Super Bowl 53. He's been speaking to Will Gavin and Ollie Hunter about everything that's been going on uh, with him and Anthony Joshua. If he's ready, I'm ready. Like I said, it got to be fair. It's got to be right down, I don't, you know, and that's the thing about it. You know, they, they thought they were, they was going to be the only people and everybody has to, to abide by their rules and rotate around them. But we soon, we, we had to show them. We had to grab, I had to grab my career and I had to go do my own thing. And that's what I'm doing. 
we got enough fighters lined up to go for the next two years. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? We, we, we got a lot of things going. And then we got a deal up in England, you know. So don't be surprised to see me up in England doing our things on on, on Fox and with you know and stuff like that as well up in England. Deontay Wilder speaking to uh, Will Gavin and Ollie Hunter. And don't forget, if you want to uh, check out all uh, of what the Super Bowl has to offer, eleven o'clock tomorrow night on Talksport. Make sure you're tuning into it. Um, listening to Deontay speak there, and listen. I mean, we were out in LA. We spoke to him about this. We spoke to Tyson about this whole mix, and we've sp- spoken to Dillian White this week yourself. Anthony Joshua, we've heard him speak about it. For me, this I'm just in a position right now, Gareth, and I don't know about you. I genuinely don't think that we will see Anthony Joshua in the mix with Wilder or Fury for at least 12 months. I really don't see it, mainly because what we're hearing is that it's going to be June, it's going to be America, it's going to be Miller for Anthony Joshua. You mentioned Pulev at the start of the show. Pulev's the IBF mandatory. The IBF are red hot at calling mandatories. I think that'll get called before the end of the year. Now he's either got an option of relinquishing that belt or fighting and defending that belt. He'll have to fight Pulev. Um, and I also think that the, the 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 rematch of Fury Wilder isn't a straightforward situation for Wilder as he as he's insinuated with the with the interview with the boys there. I actually think Fury might beat him in the in the second fight, and if he does, therefore them two probably will have to go at it again because there'll be a rematch clause in their contract. So I think Anthony Joshua's going to get frozen out of the big boys, Wilder and Fury. Yeah, well, in a weird way, there was a kind of like um, counterintuitive story this week from Eddie Hearn. He spoke to Boxing News, I think, at Ted Cheeseman's. Uh, uh, press conference. Ted Cheeseman, of course, fighting Sergio Garcia tonight, Ed, mm. in, um, just down the, the road here in the O2 Arena, uh, where um, uh, Craig Richards and Jake Ball have just fought, and Richards beat Ball in a really good fight. He beat stopped, him well. Yeah, mm. he did, did re- beat him really well. Ted Cheeseman on later, of course, um, uh, fighting uh, Sergio Garcia for the European like middleweight or super welterweight title, as they like to call it these days. But uh, that um, counterintuitive piece from Eddie earlier in the week, spoke to Boxing News, was that um, the the other heavyweights are trying to freeze Anthony Joshua out. Now, it's a nice bit of PR, that, Eddie, but it's not true. Um, Like, no one's trying to freeze Anthony Joshua out. He doesn't need to freeze anyone out. If if someone says, I want to fight for this much, Mm. give him that much, you know? put up the bidding and fight them, you know? And But the thing is, this is what happens in boxing. It's what happens. It's a creative sport, but it's the Wild West in terms of the rules. So, you know, they, they can long it out, uh, to use a builder's term, you know? Um, they, but they, how much damage will that be that will do to Anthony Joshua over the next 12 months? Let's say that Wilder Fury, and we're, we're hearing that they're very, very close. Hopefully they can get that signed off. We're hearing maybe May or the back end of April over in the States. They go again, and they give us another absolute classic. This time, Tyson Fury becomes the WBC champion of the world. And then they go again. If, if Anthony Joshua's not in that mix, and Anthony Joshua's fighting Big Baby Miller, and he's fighting Kubrat Pulev... Mm-hmm. Then and Dillian White. Well, will he fight Dillian White? We don't know. Will, will, will that get called? I don't know whether it will get called. Let's say he's just he's only fought those two in in this next twelve month period. Surely the public, the public's thought process towards Anthony Joshua is going to yeah. it's, it's going to be a very different situation no, than it is right now. It's yeah. going to plummet. I mean, you know, my colleague, my esteemed colleague uh, Paul Hayward, um, wrote a column in the Telegraph last week or the week before, saying Anthony Joshua is all dressed up with nobody to fight, mm. but he can afford to play the heavyweight long game. Only for, dot, 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 by the way, only for so long. And I agree with you. 
um, at some point this year, he has to have a very significant fight. It would not surprise... The problem is, it would not surprise me, Adam, if he fights in June, if he does fight in June now against Gerald Miller, yep. um, big baby Gerald Miller, uh, the American who weighs about 300 pounds, very powerful... Um, and a man who, if he can take Anthony Joshua's punches, could give him problems because he's not difficult to hit. Gerald, former kickboxer, doesn't mind being hit. He's, he's very good at being hit and hitting back. Um, if that fight materializes on June the first, um, it means that Joshua will have been out for nine months. He's broken a rhythm of three mm. years there, where he fights in the spring and in the early or mid, mid-autumn. Mm. And it's a rhythm, and he's got those big nights, and he's got the, the, the giant stadia for those. Going to America will open a completely different door for him. As we heard in, in that conversation with his delivery guy, um, <laughs> <laughs> well, the missus, the missus give me the ticket. You know? <laughs> Hope the missus gives us a ticket. You know, um, it's fascinating, isn't it? Anthony Joshua is prepared to tell his builder that or his, his delivery guy that, but how about telling the media that? You know, mm. Come on. Um, that if if that does happen, and and remember there is a prospect, as Eddie Hearn has said, that April thirteenth with Dillian White may not be on, and it could move to May or June. Mm. You know, Gerald Miller's been putting out those offers from the NFL to play as well. Yeah, in the last yeah, week. yeah. I don't believe that, but you know, the point. What they're saying is, Eddie's. I think Eddie's notion that they're all trying to squeeze him and push him into a corner and say we don't want anything to do with you is kind of not necessarily true um, because. There are other fights to be made out there. America needs to be conquered. I do think that, that Anthony Joshua will end up going... Madison Square Garden, I know, is booked for June the 1st. Fact. Mm. That's a fact. Um, and I think that's where he'll fight next against Gerald Miller. If Miller now agrees to the fight, he asked for $10 million. I know that, yeah? I can reveal that. He asked for $10 million. They offered him £6.2 million. Pounds. Mm. Uh, $6.2 million, rather. Um, so they've probably just got to come up a million dollars, million and a half dollars, and they'll probably take it. Um, Joshua going to America, like Tyson Fury going to America, Adam, um, he's not the same personality of Tyson Fury. He's not the same story. But I do think he's got smoother on the kind of chat show circuit. He looks great. Physically, he's amazing, as is Tyson Fury now, I have to add. Mm. Um, you know, um, so... It's a, it's a good time for Anthony Joshua to go to the States. Uh, it's a very important time for him to go to the States. I think that's what will happen. And I think you're right to finish my point here. I don't think that fight will happen with one of the big ones then probably till about this time next year. You know, mm. um, but, but like you say, but the problem is if Wild and Fury have another close fight, which is possible yep. because of their styles, they will have a trilogy yep. because they, they're... That's all I see. Uh, that's what I see yeah. straight away. This is where egos and negotiations has got in the way over there in America, though. And, and you know, Eddie Hearn's a big fish in a, in, you know, across the pond now. Um, you know, and, you know, he's got a lot of influence over there, as we saw this year. Hearn's, um, you know, he's got the fight on at the, uh, at the O2 Arena tonight, Ted Cheeseman headlining against Sergio Garcia for the European uh, light middleweight title. But... You know, he's got a very busy time in America. I think it's a fascinating time right now, kind of promotionally in the sport, where the chess pieces, you know, like on the chessboard, the pawns are used to block very often, and we see a lot of blockages going on. And um, But I just think it's made for a fascinating time 
in the division. And, and you know what? I remember this with Mayweather and Pacquiao for years, Adam. It was on, it was off, it was on, it was off. We can off. do without that, though, can't we? But, but, we don't want to be waiting five years no, 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 for this. No, we, do, we, no, we cannot wait five years. I'm not going to cover the sport anymore if we wait five <laughs> years. I'm serious. I'm a, better be careful saying that because you never know what's going to bloody happen. But, but... When that fight was finally signed, look how big it was, you know, look what it generated. And that's what these these fissures and these little crevices and these little arguments and the egos getting in the way actually helps to do. Because in the end, you're dying to see the contest. Of course. But you know? I uh, but you've got to understand from a fan's point of view, the fans that are on, you know, that pay their money to go and watch these shows that want to go and see the best fight the best. That's what we want to see. They're not interested in who's getting what. They're not interested in the splits of whatever. If they see a guy on TV saying, I'm the man and I'll fight anybody, then that guy doesn't fight anybody, well, well, then, they, then Adam, you can understand them that, getting that, the backs up. That, that's exactly why Conor McGregor in the UFC became such a big star. Because he said, I want to fight him, I want to fight him, and I want to fight him. And when I lose to him, I want to fight him anyway. Yeah. I want to fight him again as he did. You know, that's what generated that huge tsunami of support behind him. Absolutely. And... and, and, and you know, and even when fighters pulled out on him in two weeks' notice, he still went in and fought the next no, guy. No, exactly. Matter. And I think that I think caution, you know, is the better part of valor. Is that, you know we know that, but there's a time there's a time to strike, and I think it is now. Um, you know, even as you, as you know, you mentioned earlier on the show, I was with Virgil Hunter, the first time I've seen Virgil for a year, and you know I won't reveal all his illnesses, but he's a brilliant trainer. He's been around with Amakan for five years. He was out for the whole year. And, um, you know, we speak to him. We'll speak to him later in the show. But the 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 he was brilliant on the heavyweights, and I spoke to him about it. You know, and he said the funny thing is about um, you know you've got Deontay Wilder kind of like really trying to generate interest in heavyweight division in America, which hasn't been there for eight nine years. Um, you've got Anthony Joshua, who's a huge star in Britain. Tyson Fury's come over, and he's kind of he's like. He's like the the torch paper, you know. He, he's really lit the division up because he's so unorthodox, mm. and you know, black and white like him in America. He he, he resonates across across creed and color. I know he said some of the wrong things before in the past, and I also know I'm a big fan of Tyson Fury. And he also says I'm the rock star British journalist, and he also calls me Russell Crowe and all that crap. But he is a big star in the states, and I think what 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 Virgil Hunter was saying, Adam, which is fascinating, is all those guys need to do is fight each other over the next two or three years. Dillian White will get better. Um, Nathan Gorman will get better. Daniel Dubois will get better. And he said, all these heavyweights now haven't even been beaten only in their early 30s. Joe mm. Joyce as well, who's just turned pro. Of course, he's fighting Bermain Stavern soon. Mm. Um, and so he's saying it's really exciting in, in two or three years' time some of these guys are going to be beaten, but all these youngsters are coming through. He said, it is a fantastic time for the heavyweight division, and I completely concur. It's just a little bit frustrating because we're in a hiatus right now. Mm. Uh, hopefully, over the next 7 to 14 days, we'll have more information that we can firm up for you, so therefore you know where to go and spend your money on a ticket or a no, Blade ticket or whatever Adam, it may be. it will be. And Listen, sorry to interrupt, but here's the thing. Tyson Fury and Wilder is well underway. That'll get announced pretty soon. If it's, as we understand, if it's, I've uh, got to remember my dates now, April May 27th. Or April, May 18th. Yeah. April 27th or May 18th. It'll be fairly soon because they'll want 12 to 14 week camp. I know for a fact Tyson Fury is going to America again for his camp. So, you know, they're going to have to announce these things fairly soon. Joshua might be mid-February, but they will want to get ready for these big fights. Mm. Uh, do stick with us. Uh, we've got plenty more to come on the show. You're listening to Fight Night on TalkSport. <laughs> 
On Talk Sport with me, Adam Catterall, and the singer that is Gareth A. Davis. Uh, now, we're moving away from uh, heavyweights uh, that we've been speaking about for the last half an hour. So if you've only just joined us, you can get this as a podcast. Make sure you subscribe uh, via iTunes and you can get it on the website, uh, talksport.com. Uh, because we've got a guest on. We've got a geezer uh, on the phone right now, a man that uh, basically had a wonderful year last year. He uh, won the World Boxing Super Series, super middleweight division, and he became the number one super middleweight in the world. It is, of course, the one and only Mr. Callum Smith. Welcome, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm all good, mate. How are you? Yeah, good. Listen, the f- first thing first, before we talk about boxing, parenthood. How much sleep yeah. are you getting? <laughs> not a lot. Not as much as I'd like to be fair, but... It's all good. I'm enjoying it. It's tough, but I'm enjoying it. Are you are you into the nappies, lad? Are you, are you being uh, you do, are you pulling your weight? You're doing the lot. Yeah, I'm getting stuck in. I like to think I am anyway. I'm sure my missus will tell you different, but I'm I'm doing what I can. Listen, you sound like a man that is desperate for a date for a fight. So therefore, you've got an excuse then to go and sleep in hotels and get 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 a good night's kit. That's what you that's what you're expecting. Yeah, definitely. I was saying to my missus the other day if I if I was. In an office job, I'll be back in work now. We only have two weeks off, so I think it's time for me to go on the spare room. I think. Oh, very good, very good. Um, um, there's some news tonight. I've got to put it to to Callum. Good evening. Um, super middleweight titleist Ramirez Zurdo is moving up to join the deep light heavyweight division. What do you make of that? Yeah, I, I, I've read a bit about it, and I don't know. I think it's been coming for a while. I think the last mm. few performances have been a bit a bit flat for what I'd seen of him early on in his career, and. I was a good fighter at rate, but he's a very, very big super middleweight. And like you are. So yeah, I thought it was only a matter of time. And like I say his last few, few performances haven't been the best, so I'm not really too surprised. I just always think fighters kind of stay out the weight a little bit longer when they've got a world title. But he's obviously mm. decided it's time to move up. Can I can I tell you what I love about you and I hate about you, Callum? Go on. <laughs> You're Watch still... what you're saying here, guys. He's no, not no, guest, no, mate. No, Come no, on, I, calm I know, down. I know, but no, but he'll take it in the right way. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> I can't believe that after what you achieved last year, you still sound so mellow whenever <laughs> I speak to you. Like it's like it doesn't sound life changing. You know what I like? Know what I love about that and I hate about that is you're so um, modest. But what I love about it is it means you really, yeah. you're a, even though you're the number one, you just started on that journey. And I can just tell with you that there's so much more to come. You know, okay, let me throw yeah. this question at you. How much would you like to fight Saul Canelo Alvarez at super middleweight? Yeah, a lot. I would massive fight. He's probably the biggest biggest name in boxing at the minute. And if he decides to move back up, then no, definitely it's a fight I'd love. And if I could pick anyone to fight next in the world, he'd probably be the person I'd fight. And no, I don't think I can make middleweight. It'd have to be a super middleweight. But you know, he's been up here once before. And mm. I think if he can go back down and clear up there, then maybe he might move up move back up in the future but no as long as I'm there or thereabouts at the top then it's definitely a fight I'd, lo- I'd love and I'd jump at can well, I he... give you sorry Ed, can I... sorry Ed, I'm, I'm, so I'm, I was going to say he's, I'm... well he's having a knock with Jacobs isn't he so, yeah. so, so that's kind yeah. of tied I th- up I think he's going to maim ja- I think he will maim Jacobs not maim but I think he will I think he'll be too good for Jacobs in my view I don't know what you two feel Jake, about I think Jacobs is well in that fight I think it's a great fight really good Mm. Uh, yeah, and we'll hear yeah, from Daniel Jacobs a little bit later on. Mm. Uh, regarding you then, come on, talk to me, yeah. mate. What is next? Because I know that you're back in the gym. I've seen that, and I've seen that you've had yeah. a little bit of a chat with Eddie. What's, what's the conversations, and where are we going? Yeah, I'm back in the gym, back training. Um, I think I'm fighting our mate time. Obviously, we're having the time off with the baby and stuff, and I sat down with Eddie. We had a little chat, and he's going to send through a few 
few different options and you know we'll sit down as a team and work out what one what one's best for me but I'm looking forward to getting back in I had a, a big year last year and but like Gareth said I feel like you know I've achieved what I wanted to but I do feel like I'm just getting started and mm. there's a lot more for me to achieve and I feel like I finally got the ball rolling again after being you know kind of at a stop for for a couple of years in my career I feel like I've kicked on now and starting to get the recognition which I was yeah. getting at the start of my career and I'm starting to enjoy me boxing again. Is is America something on your mind there? Because like you said, there's a couple of lads over there that hold, are holding versions of world yeah. titles. Get over there, yeah, most, mop up, unify. Yeah, definitely. You know, unification fights are definitely something that I, would, I, I do want to be involved in. And as much as I love fighting at home, America is something I've always wanted to do as well. Whether it's Vegas, New York, I would love to go over fight over there and I think being with Matchroom I've got the perfect team around me to do that they've just they're putting on big shows over here but they're also starting to put on shows in America as well so I said I think that's what we're waiting to hear from Eddie see what see what option he sends over and see whether it's you know Liverpool or in the States but either or I'm not I'm not too fussed as long as I'm I'm back fighting and back defending my world title Callum, we've got to go to the news in a minute, but what is yeah. just answer this one. One of the one of the listeners, Lewis Holman, says, Is it about money or is it about legacy and who's your dream opponent? Um, legacy, I think it always has been. It's always been about becoming world champion. Or the money it is my job and all the money does come with it, but you know, I've earned good money through the tournament and I've become a world title. So I've kind of ticked both them boxes now. So any fight I have now, I'm fighting because I wanna fight, not because I have to and it's to be involved in big fights and just when I do finish to have no regrets and know how good I was and not wonder would I have beat him because I went to that level. I just want to just max out my potential and use all my talent and just to say be, be satisfied when I do when I do finally hang them up. Top man. Thanks for joining us, Cheers, mate. mate. Have a good Saturday night, mate. Time, mate. Take, take care. Thank you. Uh, still to come, you're going to hear from uh, Daniel Jacobs on the show and we're going to catch up with Amir Khan because Gareth's been out with him in the States this week. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. On DAB Digital Radio and 1089 and 1053 AM, Fight Night with Adam Catterall on Talk Sport. Hi, you listen to Fight Night on TalkSport. I'm Adam Catterall. Alongside me, as always, Gareth A. Davis. If you want to get involved with the show, you're more than welcome to do so. 08717-22-3344. Uh, we're talking through all the big talking points uh, from the world of fight sports throughout the course of the week. I appreciate there is a, a card going on at this moment in time at the O2 Arena. We will keep you across that. Uh, Ted Cheeseman and Sergio Garcia for the European title is uh, about to get underway, so we'll keep you right across that over the next hour or so. But in the meantime... I think it's only fair that we get stuck into uh, this conversation that Gareth's had with uh, uh, Amir Khan and Virgil Hunter this week. You've been out in Auckland. I'll tell you something, you get to some of the very best places. I've been knocking about in South London uh, with George Groves, which you can hear later on. You've been out in Auckland, California, mate. I'm glad it's not Auckland in um, in uh, New, New Zealand. Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> with my I, was thinking, I know for a minute I was thinking, Adam, you know it was uh, the West Coast I was Oakland. on. Auckland. Oh, Auckland. There, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you you cannot talk like that in West Oakland because you're going to get mugged. In fact, you're going to get you're going to. It's a serious bit more place. Than that, yeah. It's yeah. a very serious place. No, it's Hayward where the gym is. It's just kind of south of Oakland. Uh, it's on a, a big sprawling industrial estate, hidden away, a big hangar in there. Mm. Um, and you know, it was you know, it was not just great to see Amir Khan. I've been to the gym many times, seen Nicola Adams training there in the past. Mm. Of course, great for her, by the way, Adam, that she's going to be f- fighting first woman to fight at the Albert. Hall. Mm. Um, I think she's the first one, but the first woman to maybe headline at the Albert Hall um, in a world title fight um, next Friday. Yeah. Um, and but the, the great thing about seeing Amir Khan, it's like an. There was a period in his career. There was the the UK period under Frank Warren. There was the period under in the Freddie Roach gym with Manny Pacquiao side by side all the time. And this has been the third period of his career, the last five years. And obviously Virgil's been ill, and it's great to see him back. I mean, he he had a diabetic coma when he was um, yeah, last yeah, year, yeah. A, a year ago, and he's got back from it. And he told me that he had to learn to walk again. But to be with Virgil, he's such a headmaster. He's such a Kind of, you know, he goes right back back to black activism in the fifties and sixties. His family, very active in that movement. He's so knowledgeable. He's so intelligent. So cultured. But he's proper street as well. And I think it's really good to see him around Amir. Um, but what I liked about Amir in this was that, um, you know, I stayed there for about six hours. I completely overstayed my welcome. <laughs> and um, but in the corner were um, Tony Yoka and his wife Estelle Mosley, both kind of gold medalist from the Olympics in 2016. Yeah. She, of course, the, the medal that everyone thought Katie Taylor was going to win, mm. both for France, Tony Yoka beating our own Joe, Joe Joyce mm. in the final, in a, in a fairly controversial bout. But, you know, they're training in the corner together. I took loads of pictures of them working out and then I sat down with Amir. And, you know, the great thing about Amir was he wanted to give Joshua, because it's a theme tonight, yeah. he wanted to give Joshua advice on how to crack America. So if you look at when I came to America, my first fight to, in America was against Polyman Lodge, then went on to fighting um, um, Maidana, and then Zab Judah, and you know, so it went on from there. So I was always in the big fights. One thing about fighting in America, it makes you a global star. 
uh, the UK fans are always going to be tuned in to watch you fight mm. but but America just has that something special about it that when you're fighting in Las Vegas your name's lit up um, and not only America's watching the whole world's watching it for some reason they have that power to kind of have everyone watch the fight I don't know how to do it but it's uh, I was not really a big name in Pakistan um, no one really knew me I used to remember when I was a world champion when I beat Kotelnik I went there no one knew me I went there two three fights after no one knew me it's when I started fighting in America people in Pakistan started going crazy like no I can't walk the streets there that's because of America so one thing about the world they follow what America's doing and my what I want to say to Anand Joshua is that he's in a position where he's he's an amazing world champion he's a brilliant guy and he has had great wins in the UK I think now we have to step it up a little bit come to America you have to sometimes go out of your own comfort zone you know what I mean? I went out of my comfort zone mm. to America and it is a little bit harder. You might not make as much money at first, but later on, you start bringing the big money in. I mean, I remember I'll make it like a million dollars less when I had my first fight over here. And I was like, really? Um, but I still took it. I still said, I'm going to do it because I'm getting the bigger names and the bigger recognition and being amongst the bigger names in boxing. They'll become like imagine if Anthony Joshua fought here. He'll have all the Hollywood stars coming to watch him. He'll have all the basketball players. He'll have all the other fighters like Mayweather and other fighters that are coming to support him and watch him. That's only building his profile. It's interesting, isn't it? It's interesting, isn't it? I can't argue with any of that. I think he's absolutely bang on. There you go, Adam. It was so interesting. Um, You know, it was so so interesting to talk to him about it because if you remember, people always said, and I've followed him his entire career. I knew him as a 16-year-old. 16 years I've been around him, and he's fabulous, frankly, for me. I I think, you know, I, I find him fabulous. I know he's got his faults, and there's not a bad bone in the man's body puts his face, body, chin on the line every time he fights. But you know what? He's had a life over there. And and the thing is this. He said it. Take a little bit less money. You'll build over there. One of the reasons why Amir Khan is a global star is because he went to America early, Adam. Mm. You know? And, the, as he's rightfully just said there, he's taken on the very, very best. Exactly. Because the, the opportunity is presented. Yeah. Exactly. Look, if he beats Terence Crawford in, in, in Madison Square Garden on April the 20th, and I fully don't expect him to, because Crawford is probably... He's number, know, He's number from, two for me. He's number two. Lomachenko Crawford. I, that's I, where I'm I at. know, but but you know what? Who would win out of Lomachenko and Crawford <laughs> in in a pound for pound fight? You actually don't know. No, is not the at truth. All. Not so at all. so you know he's got everything. If Amir. The good thing for Amir in this fight, he's not he's fighting a guy who's coming up in weight. Not he's not going up to fight a guy as he did against Canelo, two weights above yeah. him. Yeah, and you know. One thing that I will say, yeah. and I've said a lot on social media with mm. people reacting to this, because obviously a lot of fight fans wanted to see the Brook fight. And I'm I'm fully supportive of Amir Khan taking the Crawford fight. This is a much bigger fight. It's an opportunity to become a world champion. He's taking on one of the pound for pound best. Now, do I fully do I expect Amir Khan to beat Terence Crawford? No, I don't. But mm. what I do expect is that at the time that this fight will is stopped, and I think that Crawford will stop him, I think that we will be sat there thinking, he nearly did it. Because I think I just think that. Amir Khan does extremely well against boxers, and I think it'll take a little bit of time for Terence Crawford to work him out with the speed. Mm. And I think maybe between six and eight, Amir Khan will be well in this fight. Might be oh, level, might be yeah, up, yeah, but yeah. I think he'll get stopped. Listen, I watched Amir sparring. You know, you're, we're not allowed to film these things in the gym. I watched him sparring on Tuesday, and as I say, I really overstayed my welcome. Um, in fact, we were going to go for a coffee afterwards, but we ended up chatting and chatting and chatting. I think he's clearly up for this. 
Um, he's got to not get caught, of course, um, you know, because that's where he's vulnerable. But it, he he can he can outspeed and outbox Crawford for some of this fight. And like you say, if he's still in a, a, at eight, he could pull out something special. I think Crawford will stop him to the mid to late rounds. I agree with you, mm. or even early if he gets hold of him. But you know, can't... I don't I don't think he'll bomb him out. I really don't. I just no, think Amir will be switched on earlier, and he'll be pop 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 and out yeah. the back door. That's yeah, what no, I think will happen. No, it's it's interesting. And, and but the, but here's the thing about him as well. He knows that if he put weird things happen in boxing, you know, um, Crawford could break an ankle, um, but, mm. but, but, you know, things can yeah, happen. He could get the victory. You know, yes, there'll be a rematch, all that kind of stuff. But we could even see, I'd still love to see Amir Khan against Manny Pacquiao. I'd like to see it at a stadium in the UK or I'd love to travel to Las Vegas for it. Um, but, you know, it, it will be a big, big night. I mean, as Bob Arum told us last week or a couple of weeks ago on the show, Adam, one of the reasons that they signed Amir Khan is because of his global appearance. Um, you know, but but um, Virgil Hunter as well, right? Yeah. Um, spoke to me. Because they're back Adam. together again now. Yeah, because yeah. they're back together. Virgil spoke to me, right? Because I asked him what he thinks AJ Anthony Joshua needs to do to progress in his career, and you'll find this fascinating as well. Well, I think it before it's all said and done for him that he would want to be a global star in this business. Uh, he's definitely a star in his own country in the UK. He's big. Um, but he's in a position where he can call his shots. And it's, it's a business, and he has to treat it as a business. And uh, he has to be selective in how he goes about it and make the right moves at the right time. The division is stacked from one through five, definitely. it's a lot of players in the division. So I'm sure that he, and deep down inside he's not afraid to fight anybody, not afraid to come to the States. But it has to make sense. And it has to be the right move at the right time. And how do you see, have you seen Gerald Miller? Do you know much about Gerald Miller? Does he give Joshua problems in your view? I think he gives a problem if he could take Joshua's punch. A big baby style is such where Joshua will be able to land punches on him. And if he can take the punch, I think big baby has the capacity of wearing uh, Joshua down. Who and do you possibly rank? win. Yeah, who do you rank as the number one in the world right now then? Uh, I based on uh, accomplishments, it is is very very hard at this yeah. point because the Fury Wilder fight kind of accelerated them and made a three headed monster almost. So <laughs> I would say it's a three way tie across the board. But if somebody twisted my arm, I would give Joshua a slight edge, um, based on how he's gone about his business. But it's very, very close. Very close. So I wouldn't pick one over the other. You'd have to really twist my arm. You see, Virgil's exactly where we're at at this moment in time. We just want to see all those that, three fight to, to, yeah. to answer that question, but, but don't the we? the thing is, the body, as they say in a love affair, the body doesn't lie, Adam, mm. you know? Mm. And, uh, you know, that boxing insiders don't lie. You know, not, not when you sit down with them in these environments. Does he want to be a global star? Mm. He, if you need to, he's a huge star in his own country. We'd love to see him over here. Yes, he does hold, and he does hold those advantages at the moment. He holds, um, he definitely has a sway in the division because of what he holds and what he can bring with him. I've got to correct myself, by the way. Gideon Wagner, thank you very much. Um, Nicola Adams is March the 8th, not February the 8th. My, my bad there. Mm. Um, at, uh, it is March the 8th, isn't it? Not February the 8th. I think that's right. Um, but the, the, the thing is this. What people are all calling for Lennox Lewis Virgil Hunter 
you know, um, Amir Khan, people in America, the media in America, come on, Joshua, let's cut, let's see your wares, you know. Mm. And and what they've got to do, they've got to be less cautious. I think we are going to get it in June. And I, you know what? I hope Gerald Miller turns up. I hope we're there broadcasting as well, Adam. I mean, it's going to be an amazing night and an amazing week because Gerald Miller, remember, is the guy that said he. He'd love to take Anthony Joshua's mother out on a date. <laughs> he called him, what did he call him? The Barbie doll of the heavyweight division. Yeah. Um, you know, it's going to be fun and fireworks. Fight week, fight week yeah. will be uh, very, very interesting. Listen, very. One, one fight that I definitely want to be at, and we will be at, my friend, even if TalkSport don't allow us, we're going 100%, is April 20th at Madison Square Garden for Crawford Khan because no it will be absolutely sensational. Sensational. Yeah, it, it will be. I mean, look, I, I remember Amir, I think Amir against Paulie Malinaji was his U, US debut, and... Um, you know, he was brilliant. It was a brilliant event. It was great to be with him. You know, he carries a lot of support. He carries a lot of weight. And it's not just the weight of necessarily British fans traveling, but it's it's who's watching him around the world. Like, mm. I was chatting to Amir, right, at one point. And I, and, and I was saying, oh, I saw you with Imran Khan the other day. And, like, Imran's, like, one of my real... Cri- I mean, I was an all-rounder when I played cricket, and I loved cricket. <laughs> and I was I was pretty decent at him, to be honest. And, like, Imran was my hero when I was 16, him and both of them. And, um, like, Amir said, oh, I'm going to introduce you. Next time Imran's over, I regularly have dinner with him. Wow. Come down, have dinner. And it's like, you know, just, he's, he's... Just normal for him. Well, he's, he's, only, he's only the Prime Minister of Pakistan right now, isn't he? So, you know, it's... um He moves in very interesting circles and he has a lot of influence he's about to start some kind of um city city against city boxing nights lahore karachi all these places and said you know you've got to come over and see it he said because there's real interest in in boxing in pakistan Mm. and um let's go and do a fight night over there one night you know (laughs) you know in the finals of lahore versus karachi but absolutely (laughs) banging in there there you go talk sport international yeah exactly it would be absolutely (laughs) amazing by the way ted cheeseman in a real war with sergio garcia they are um, European light middleweight title, Adam. I'm just watching it here on the screen. And in the third round, um, he's taken a lot of shots, the big cheese, but yeah. he's really trying to wear Garcia down. It's a really good scrap, actually. Mm, really good. We'll keep you up to date with that. That's at the Auto Arena this evening. Uh, a fight that's happening uh, in Las Vegas later on this year is Canelo versus Daniel Jacobs. It's all set for an absolute cracker in the middleweight division. We'll talk about that next. You listen to Fight Night on TalkSport with me, Adam Catherall and Gareth A. Davis. Uh, now, there's an unbelievable middleweight contest coming our way at uh, in Las Vegas. It is uh, Canelo taking on Daniel Jacobs. Uh, and before me and Gareth, obviously, wax lyrical about this fight because it will be an absolute cracker. TalkSport's NFL presenters Will Gavin and Ollie Hunter have been speaking to Daniel Jacobs out in Atlanta at Super Bowl 53. All the build-up for that. He told him about his incre- incredible return to boxing. Tell us a little bit about when you first found out. How, when you first were diagnosed, did you straight away was the aim back in a ring? Was that not even about? So you were saying, "I want to get back. I want to box." Yeah, it was really well. <laughs> I I love boxing so much, and I remember the first time that I heard that you you have cancer and that, you know, we have to actually cut this tumor out of your spine. The first thing that I thought about was, okay, I'll be out the ring six months. I'll be back. And you know, it'll be all good. Had no idea that not only was it life threatening, but I might not even be able to walk again, you know? So it it was a challenging state for me. Um, one that I'm grateful that I got through because I learned a lot 
about myself in that ordeal. And uh, willpower is everything, man. You know, when, when you're a confident person and, and, and you have the world against you and your back is against the wall, you truly learn who you are in those moments. And then you come back and, and you, that first fight back, tell us a bit about that night and just what it was like to, yeah. to go from where you were to, what is it, 12, 18 months later? It was kind of in... Yeah, it was almost two years later. Oh, like really? 19 months later. God, it feels... Yeah. Didn't feel that long, but... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, how was that night? How was that for you? It was electrifying. It was very odd and weird and awkward because I had kind of forgot what it's like to be a boxer. I kind of forgot what it was like to kind of have my own walkout and, you know, see the crowd and see the TV and cameras and all of these things. I mean, I had to get back acclimated to my surroundings. Uh, but once that bell rang, uh, it was just like, I think in the fight was maybe a minute, if that, the fight. <laughs> and I knocked the guy out. But, you know, it, it was electrifying while it lasted because all I ever dreamed about when I was in that hospital bed was just being in my happy place, which is in the square ring. So, Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And now a chance to unify the belts in May, facing off against Canelo. I mean, this it's so often you hear phrases like super fights, but yeah. this is one that fans clamor for, and it's one that we're hyped about. Yeah. How hyped are you? I'm extremely hyped, and I'm grateful that it happened because, in my opinion, I'm one of those biggest threats that the cash cows of the world and the superstars of the, of the world in the boxing kind of stay away from because I don't bring a lot to the table as far as a, like a Triple G is concerned where he more marketable and more fans are sure to buy and to support that. Uh, so I'm more of a risk. But having this belt and having the opportunity to unify with Canelo Alvarez is an opportunity that a guy like me don't get often. So I'm going to try to take it full advantage of it and own that moment that night. Is what there any, you, is there any, sorry, yeah. is, no, there no. Any, is there any part of you that thinks that potentially Canelo shouldn't be boxing given his background and, and issues with, with the drugs and, and such right. like? Well, I definitely think that the penalties that he faced wasn't harsh enough, especially for the magnitude of fighter that he is and the competition that he's been fighting. I mean... When you're a world-class fighter and you're taking performance enhancement drugs, that's giving you an edge to actually go in there and kill somebody. Yeah. You know, so it, it, it's a serious matter. And I do think that he should have had a more of a, uh, a, a brutal uh, punishment for that, maybe more of a fine or more time outside of the ring. But it's one of those things where you can't really uh, cry over spilt monk. All I got to do is put things into my own hand and, when I put things into my own hand is when I can dictate the outcome. And that's what I look forward to doing May 4th. It's impossible not to like Daniel Jacobs, isn't it, Gareth? Yeah, and also uh, Ollie and Will's interviewing techniques as well. They're clearly not used to being around boxers, you know, because, like, with boxers you can get straight to the point. And they were so British just then, weren't they, with him? It was lovely. Um, listen, he is so likeable. I enjoyed him so much in the, in the Golovkin fight, Adam. He is a very... Um, he, he's just one of the most heroic figures you could ever meet in boxing. You know, and he talked there about his um, osteosarcoma um, and all that stuff that he went through. Quite incredible man. Mm. And he will have fought, you know, it was a very close fight with Golovkin um, in New York. I was there. I thought Golovkin just won it. Um, but I just think Canelo's come on so much 
that I think he'll have too much for him in the late rounds. But listen, if Jacobs wins, it'll be amazing. Let's have him against Saunders then, because I think Saunders can outbox him. I, I listen. <laughs> I think I think that Canelo will win the fight. But Canelo will win the fight, I only think, on points. I don't think he stops Daniel Jacobs. And at the end of it, I think we sit there and we go, ooh, who, who has won that fight? Has Jacobs done enough? You it's know? in Vegas, remember. Yeah, exactly Is that. It, no, no. I mean, Canelo, the cards are already in. Canelo, Let's be straight. Exactly. The cards are already in. Canelo's already won. Sit 116, 112. They're already there. <laughs> but when I, I remember watching the Gennady Golovkin fight, and I genuinely thought, oh, that is close. Oh, it and was. I, it and was, I genuinely yeah. think that we will be in the exact same situation where a lot of fight fans coming away from it will think, I think Jacobs won that, but there's no chance that he's getting a decision in Vegas, well, as you've just said. No, but the, the, I think what happened in the in the, in the the Daniel Jacobs and Gennady Golovkin fight was we started to see Golovkin looking human finally, you know, that, that um, Jacobs had a second wind in that fight and came back strong, and other people had really struggled to do that against him, that mm. he, he wasn't crunching people's ribs with those kind of freakishly powerful levers. And I just want to say one thing that Jacobs said just then, that you can't cry over spilt milk because Canelo Alvarez wasn't banned for long enough. Mm. Um, you know, it's a big issue in our sport at the Massive. moment. You know, it's it's a really, really big issue. And unfortunately, it's it's kind of not getting any better um, in some ways because it's so difficult to know. I, the more I learn about um, drug testing and, and, and doping, oh, it's such a confusing, moving, evolving boundary-like playing field. Um, and I think there's a lot of human error involved as well as a lot of deliberate cheating, Adam. And, mm. you know, um, yes, Canelo probably should should have been more severely punished than rather than six months. They did give it evidence in his hair follicles to try and show that it had been a mistake and it was, this is when it was and all this kind of stuff. Um, but I didn't hear Jacob saying, I thought he was going to say, yeah, but if he had ban been banned for longer, I wouldn't be fighting him now. Mm. And so there's that as well. I remember um, there's a, there's in the UFC at the moment, for example, you know, John Jones has tested positive for Turinabal and, and, and the guy he's defending his world title against on March the 2nd, I intend to be there. I want to see John Jones' second comeback fight. Uh, second fight with the title against Anthony Smith. Smith saying, I don't care. I just want to fight him anyway. And he's become a bigger name mm. than the belt itself, in a mm. sense, you know, um, for, for, for the right reasons and the wrong reasons, that people just want to fight him and beat him now. Um, mm. It's a difficult one. But, you know, I think it is worthy of... Um, you know, a Cinco de Mayo, the 5th of May oh, uh, holiday fight in Las Vegas. It's the big, one of the big two or three pay-per-view events of the year. And this weekend is normally a big one, by the way, because um, because of the Super Bowl. You know, there's loads of Super Bowl parties and UFC events. It's still, I tell you what, Adam, um, Ted Cheeseman is really having to take a lot of punishment against Sergio Garcia at the O2 Arena in his bid for the European I'm just watching this out of the corner of my eye. And yeah, I think and, he's getting beat quite comfortably he, here. He is, but but you know what? He, he What he's looking for, he's throwing, he's getting in close to Sergio Garcia, um, who's, a, who's a kind of neat boxer who's throwing straight punches. And Cheeseman, tough guy from South London, is just trying to throw these, the, try and get in close and just throw left and right hooks. And it may just work for him, but we're already in the sixth round. And I reckon he's probably 4-1 yeah. or 5-2 down. Yeah, my, my, four, my, question, five, one down, yeah. my question with it is, is that it looks like he's just trying to make Garcia work at a pace that he might not necessarily be comfortable with and maybe get yeah. him later, later yeah. on in the fight. It'll be interesting to see if, if Garcia can work at this pace 
for a full 12. We'll keep you across it uh, here on Talk Sports, so do stick with us here on Fight Night. Uh, the White Rhino is ready to speak to us. Uh, Dave Allen's coming up next. He is the Doncaster De La Hoya, the son, the White Rhino. Ladies and gentlemen, David Allen. A right hand from Allen. He's going to go for this, and there's another one, and he's down again. How? And he may not get up from this. <laughs> Danke. <laughs> really ripping them in. That's a great one. Left really to the body. And down goes Nemo right above us. Just pounds the canvas with his right hand. It's in real pain here. I'm not sure if he's going to make this. He lands a big overhand right there, Alan. And Richie Vicks is on the steady legs here. This is my plan. He's just a, just a beat and then right up on round one. So one to 12. I'm just going to beat you. You're going to be... People always say you need to show your boxing ability. Saturday night, there's going to be no boxing ability. I'm going to be on you from round one. Bryson Brown, I think, was a possibility. I think that was Lucas Brown's first choice, but um, he's going to have to fight me first. You listen to Fight Night on Talksport with me, Adam Catterall, Gareth A. Davis alongside me, and I'm delighted that this man is joining us on a Saturday night, you know. Normally he's in bed by, surely he's in bed by this time, you know, catch, catching up on that beauty sleep, getting ready for maybe a little bit of a run on a Sunday morning. Yeah, right. Because he's got a fight coming up. Listen, he takes it seriously now. I know he takes it seriously. He's brilliant. Dave, Where is he? Dave, welcome, my friend. How are you? I'm really well, thank you. I really enjoyed that little montage. Yeah, well, you deserve it. You deserve it. You deserve it. You're one of the. Yeah, yeah, I think you're one of the most interesting. I think you're one of the most interesting characters in boxing today. I mean, I was thinking, I was, I was daydreaming the other day. I was thinking, there should be the White Rhino restaurant where Dave invites the best. Uh, chefs in the world who think they can fight and beats them up in the middle of the restaurant in a ring while cooking in the kitchen between rounds. Do you know what I mean? I could just see you doing all <laughs> That's the... a bit left field. <laughs> but, but, but I, I could see Dave Allen having his own Netflix series doing that. Do you know what I mean? I've told if him. Wanna, if you want to put that together, by all means. <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen, Dave, with the dust now settled on 2018, um, what a fantastic back end of 2018 it yeah. was for you, mate. Uh, and that has catapulted you now into uh, a big fight in 2019 with Lucas Brown. How do you look back at uh, the last 12 months? Well, you know, the first half of 2018, I had a draw with Lynn Thomas. I beat Dave Howell for the second time. And then I, I got beat up by Tony Oka in France. And to be honest, my career was over. Um, I took the Nick Webb fight on a couple of, well, I think I, I took it, the, the, it was all done and dusted with seven days to go. So uh, I took that fight, knocked him out, knocked out the, the German fella in, in Newcastle, beat Bracamonte on another pay-per-view show. And, and here I am getting ready to fight a former... World heavyweight champion. I'm not mm. a world heavyweight champion. I'm not sure that he actually was one. He's a regular, he has a regular version. But if it helps, uh, if it helps me sound better than I am, then I'll say he's the former <laughs> world heavyweight. Champion. So, yeah. But he is a name, you know. And a lot of British yeah. fight fans know exactly who he is. As you said, he's, he 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 held a version of a world title. He's coming uh, back over to the UK. Last time, a lot of fight fans saw him spread uh, sprawled out all over the floor after uh, Dillian White took care of him. And this is an opportunity for you to do the same. And if you do do the same, people are going to start talking about you getting in that mix. Yeah, it, this, this is the kind of fight that catapults me into like kind of the world senior. It puts me a top, makes me a top 15, 20 man. And if you'd have said that six months ago, you, mm. you, you'd, you'd have laughed out of the place. But I beat Lucas Brown. People have to start taking me seriously. It's come to the point now where, you know, I do like a joke. I am known as a bit of a joker, but... 
I want to be seen as a serious threat a serious, uh, for my boxing talent, not just for my jokes and my good looks. I want people to appreciate <laughs> my, my fighting ability as well, so I can fight. And being Lucas Brown, I believe, will prove it. I don't think he's the force of old, but he's still a win uh, and still a recognisable name where, you know, I will get credit for being him. It, it will put me in the mix, I think. The, the, the great thing about you, David, is, as you say, I think you're about 39, 40 in the world at the moment. Um, you know, you're ranked eighth in Britain, that, and only because we are replete. In other words, we are full of elite heavyweights or, or world championship level heavyweights at the moment. I remember saying to you when we were in, I think it was in Manchester before you fought Bracamonte, yeah. either the night before or, or the night after, probably the night before, um, I think we were having a nice drink and eating some food while you were kind of getting yourself ready for the next day. Um, there are, you're only two fights away. You know, it's a weird heavy. We, Adam and I have been talking about heavyweights all night. Dillian rang me a couple of days ago, and we did, I did a story with him where he said the fight on April 13th is dead. I understand he's probably going to fight on April the 20th. It'll probably be Dominic Brazil, probably be the O2 Arena. You know, but um, the heavyweight division, um, Hearn needs opponents for, for, for Joshua. Dillian White needs more opponents. And some of these can be million-dollar paydays for you if you get the right rhythm going. Six months ago, David, you were telling us you were retiring, you know? Yeah, you know, and the heavyweight division is the most popular division in boxing. You know, it's the one that everybody wants to watch. And it's come to the point now, if I beat Lucas Brown, um, I'm, I'm in line for some massive fights. I'm literally two or three fights off, off the biggest the, the biggest possible fights. So, um so yeah, you know, like like you say, you know, the Joshua fights. You know, people would laugh at me now if I said the, the Joshua fight yep. on the horizon. But realistically, I beat Brown. I put an, another two or three wins together. Uh, you, you're looking at Joshua Allen at Wembley, 2020. There you go. So, and that's what's getting me up in the morning at the minute, getting getting me out of bed, getting me running. Your Lucas Brown fight excites me terribly, but you know, the thought of being only a year, eighteen months away from being from being fights that can mean I, I don't have to. I don't have to go back being a supply teacher ever again and, and being <laughs> what I want to do, you know, on my own race or something, you know, uh, that's what gets me out of the bed and that's what keeps me away from the chocolate at the minute. What kind of teaching do you supply then? I supply, I can supply anything you need, that's what I'm about. <laughs> you demand and I will supply you, that's what I'm about. So, uh, yeah, a bit, of, a bit of everything I did. <laughs> and this is why this listen this is the personality in abundance and a lot of a lot of fa fans fall in love with fighters because of the per personality but you've got to be able to back it up in the ring and you've been doing that recently mate and this is a big opportunity like as i know we keep going on about it but the lucas brown fight is absolutely huge i think it's well known a lot of people that do follow you they'll know last 12 to 18 months ago let's say Maybe you didn't take it as seriously as you are doing right at this moment in time. What was when? When did the penny drop, Dave? When? When did you go right? I can make a living out of this. Well, there's been times. You know, I started boxing as a young kid. I had ten amateur fights. I turned pro, and I didn't really, I didn't really anticipate I was going to do anything really. Um, I was plodding on in my career, and then the Dylan White fight came up. Do you want it? I said, Yeah, of course I want it. You know, I think I was. I might have took home. I don't know. I don't want to talk figures, but it wasn't too much money at the time. But to me, it was a million pounds. So. I was happy just making that money. The Lewis Ortiz fight came up, I took it. Mm. And then the people kind of fell in love with me. So I thought, you know what, we can do something now. I got the Lenroy Thomas fight, the Commonwealth title fight the first time. Um, and that's really where I learned, you know, I, I thought I'd beat Lenroy Thomas on, on my worst day without training. And, and, and that night was a real, it was a bit of mm. pill to swallow. And, you know, I, I'm st I still I still haven't put 100% in the Bracamonte fight. I was in, I was in a bad way after two or three rounds. I thought I was I thought I was gonna be in a bad way in the corner. I thought I was enough to uh, give me CPR at one point. But yeah. Well, you know, like I, I realize I realize now. You know, 
I realised I've got to take every fight seriously. And, and now that I'm fighting Brown, if I beat Brown, you know, a bigger fight again, I've got to be. I, I can fight hundred percent, but I've not even shown. I've not even shown twenty thirty percent. And you and you proved that you can take a whack as well. I mean, we were ringside. Me and Gareth were ringside doing it for Talk Sport in the Ortiz fight, and you took. I know, I know that obviously you ended up losing that fight, but you took some serious whacks. So He's an the elite there, fighter. That he fought an elite Ortiz. Whatever anyone says is an elite fighter, Absolutely. Adam Dave. You know, he's he's look what he did to Deontay Wilder. I was there when he fought Deontay Wilder that night in New York. Um, you know, you, listen, you're 26 years old. You've been a pro boxer, what, for six years, is it now? Yeah. yeah. You know, you're 26 years old. You will not mature as a heavyweight for four years, you know? That's the truth, you know? Yeah, you know, one... I, I, yeah I genuinely think I can be, become a top 10 heavyweight in the world, you know? Am I ever going to be a title? I'm not sure, you know, but I can definitely mix it with the top 10. And I know what I can do. I've done it in the gym. I've got myself in shape and I know what I can do. And I've let myself down. I've let the, I've let the fans down. I've let everyone who supported me down at times. But, you know, luckily they stand by me because they like me as what I am as a human being. And I hope to repay the faith by uh, putting a good performance and starting with Lucas Brown, you know, and, and really starting to uh, put, a, put a good run together. Do you ever go plastering with the McDonald brothers? Do they ever call you up for a day's work? I reckon you could do a few walls, right, White Rhino? <laughs> No, that's not what that's not what I supply. You know, no, no. <laughs> I supply a good lesson, but I don't supply. Oh, really? So I can't help there. Sorry. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, mate. All the best with this because, like, I again. I'll, I'll go over it again. We we this is a massive opportunity. You come through this, and then all of a sudden, 2019 is looking very very different than the start of 2018 is did did do for you. Yeah, it's fantastic. You know, um, my career—it's been swings and roundabouts. You know, it's been ups and downs. Um, it's been fantastic. I wouldn't change—I wouldn't change the thing. But hopefully now it's just just wins all the way, or at least I get a massive fight and then I get knocked out. I'm not bothered. I'm going to retire and move away. So, one, um, can I ask one question, yeah. Dave? On we've been chatting the heavyweight divisions tonight. Is Anthony Joshua and Eddie Hearn? Do you think they're stalling against these other guys? I don't think so. I think Josh is an unborn man. He he sells. He puts the bums on the seats. He's put ninety thousand in Wembley a couple of times. He's got three of the belts. I think he's an unborn man. I'm, I'm not. I always say you know sixty forty split. I put on the other day someone was looking for seventy forty split, and people were believing it, jumping down my neck. So you know, I thought that's hundred and ten percent. You can't get a seventy forty split. That's absolutely right. People, that people are so interested in money. I can't spend on Joshua's money. I can't spend Tyson and I can't spend on Wilder's money. I wish I could, but I can't. So. What they make, I'm not bothered. As a boxing fan, which is why I am when you're talking fights at that level, I'm not bothered what they make. I just want to see the fight. So, uh... Well, there you go. But we need to see those fights. We cannot... Why should we wait? I say we. Why should the fans wait till 2020 to see Anthony Joshua against either Tyson Fury or De- Deontay Wilder? Surely it needs to be this year. Oh, I agree. Hopefully. I-, I was hoping we would see White Joshua in April and we would see Wilder Fury rematch and the wins would take each other on late 2019. I'm not sure that's going to happen now. Uh, the Miller fight looks like it's happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Jordy Wilder match looks like it's happening. Um, I'm not sure, to be honest. As a boxing fan, you know, it is frustrating that a lot of these fights don't happen. But um, me moaning about it, it's not going to make it happen. So I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Fair play, Dave. Listen, good luck with camp, mate. Thank and we're we'll, uh, looking forward to seeing you in action against Lucas Brown in April. All right, mate. Take care. Thank you very much, mate. Thank Cheers. you. Bye bye. Cheers. Superb. The White Rhino there, Dave Allen, as brilliant as ever. Personality galore. Like I said there, Gareth, if he pulls this off, if he beats Lucas Brown, he's in the mix. Yeah, he's got to be, he's got to um, use the gym as his office, be consistent. 
we forget that you know because easy to think that Dave's 30 32 he's been around a while he's 26 no, he's a baby he's, he's, a, he's a young lad exactly and and there's something about him that he's got a, like you say he's, he's likable he's lovable he's, he's got so likable he's, he's got that thing he's got the x factor he looks at you out the corner of his eyes just there's something about him and he and and I've I've tried to encourage him and tell him that I, don't, I think his podcast is fun he's you know he's a great guy to have around and it's so true. Those heavyweights can earn money like no one else can earn money. And mm. you just need to get yourself into the right position. Toughest sport on earth, mind you. But that's, uh, so there you go. No, absolutely, mate. Uh, we've still got lots to come. You're going to hear from George Groves before the end of the show. We're going to talk a bit of MMA as well because it was the UFC London press conference this week. Some great fights on there. Stick around. It's all coming up on Fight Night. Spoken to many fighters over the years that have uh, decided to call it a day. Some have said it was a hard decision. Some said that it was an easy decision. What's your uh, contemplations on that? Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's an easy decision for me right now, to be honest. Um, you know, I've, been, I've had I've had that 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 roller coaster ride of a career that you know, has been, been described, and I totally uh, agree with that. I um, I've been. Uh, I've, I've, I've experienced everything I feel there is to experience in boxing, and um, you know it took took me a few a few a few attempts obviously to win my world title, but once I'd won that, um, I felt like my my days were probably numbered in the sport, and I was going to hang in there until it you know until it no longer felt necessary. Straight after that, I went in the World Boxing Super Series, which was a tournament. I said, "That's his three fights. Uh, it's good money. You know, I'm going to win this, and then I'm going to walk away on on top." And I said, "It could be, could be better." Um, I didn't win it. I got to the final. Smith's unloading. He's got him in the corner. Big shot. And the second, oh, he's gone down. Groves has gone down. He's gone down in the seventh round. Big trouble. Trying to clear his head. Is he going to make it up? He's not. It's all over. It's all over, he shakes his head, he can't make it up, and Callum Smith is the winner of the Muhammad Ali Trophy. But even now, you know, I still feel like I'm walking away on top, you know, I'm walking away at the highest level, you know, and that, you know, unfortunately for me means uh, not coming off the back of a win, not being world champion, but, um, you know... I'm happy, and I thought that 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 you know I like the idea of retiring at 30. Was although I I do plan to get a, a new job, <laughs> but I do I do like the idea of all going from boxing at 30. People saying, really? Oh, now? But there's still more fights out there for you. I thought, yeah, I want to walk away when there was still something left at the table, you know, because mm. I don't do that in real life. You know, I eat until until it's completely empty. So uh, no, I, you know, I, I've come to that point in my life where uh, you know, I want to spend my better years you know have more 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 flexible times with my family and mm -hmm. and more than anything i want to find a new challenge you know some, some, something that's gonna you know really uh interest me i sort of dedicated my life to boxing you know f from the get-go and it, it it's, it's all consuming so uh i'd rather now try and find something else to, to pursue 
let's talk about the get go then, shall we, mate? When you uh, when you started off as a kid, yeah, uh, and uh, getting involved in the amateur game, um, obviously becoming a double ABA champion. At that time, it must have. I don't want to say it felt easy to you that game, but everything was going your way. Yeah, yeah. Well, like it's funny because uh, it was going my way, but I was uh, so I won I won four schoolboy titles. I was unbeaten. You know what I mean? Like, which is sort of unheard of as an amateur. Mm-hmm. I sort of started boxing for Cadet England, or I think it was called at the time, which is like under under seventeens. You sort of you start touring the world, and that's when I started getting beat. And I was like, what was going on? Like, obviously, you're fighting elite level fighters you know who yeah you're 16 but they look about 26 <laughs> you know what I mean you're fighting a Kazakhstan yeah, yeah. in Morocco full chest of air yeah, you, know, you, you didn't even if you beat him you didn't always get the decision because uh, you know uh, well, I want to check his birth certificate how yeah. old is that guy <laughs> so uh, but you know we stuck with it and I, uh, the dream was to go to the Olympics I wanted to go to the Beijing Olympics my old mate James got picked uh, just on that because you seem to use the disappointment there I mean, I might be speaking out of turn, but you seem to use that dis- disappointment to drive you in your professional career. Would you? Would you go along with well, that? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. You know, I talk about uh, at that stage, it's like keep going. You know, keep going. It's not always. You know, I exp- I experienced uh, something that might not come along for for a fighter until way into their pro career. That you know, a bit of disappointment that things ain't going to work out the way you thought it was going to. You know, you thought it. I'd, I had two options. I could wait around for 2012, which everyone was encouraging me to do. Um, and hope to repeat his feat of winning the gold medal, or you know, I can get stuck into a pro and and, and realise what the ultimate dream was. You know, as a, as, a, as a seven-year-old when I first mm. wanted to be a fighter, I was to win a world title as a professional. So, you know, I went pro and uh, and and, and, and away we go, uh, away we went. You know, mm. so uh, but you know, my as a, just to go back to my amateur days, my amateur club, Dale Youth, my old coaches. Mick Delaney, Peter Carson, who trained me, and James DeGale for for the best part of our amateur amateur careers, uh, you know, fantastic memories, and they instilled that that winning mentality in me that sort of got me through everything right the way through to where I am today. So, uh, you know, I owe them an awful lot, and uh, fantastic club still going. Mm. Right, the DIY SOS just brought a new gym, <laughs> so they got to stay there. At you least. Be, you've got to be a patron now, aren't you? Yeah, that's what you're well, be. yeah, you know, yeah, I, I hope so. I'd like, like to, yeah, I'll pop in there from when, whenever I can, time to time. Try to spot some new prospects. You know, that's it. Young fighters. See, see, so you see these guys coming through. I knew it was time to hang up, man. These kids, are, these kids are hungry. They're looking at me. They want to eat me up, and they're only fourteen. <laughs> you know, it's not for me no more. Was it was was it difficult to watch Beijing going through that disappointment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what was difficult was that James DeGaulle wasn't even ranked in the top ten in the world, and I think he had five fights out there. At least three of them had already had already beaten him, and he won gold. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that you should have picked me. Line's not going to work so well now. Yeah. He's going to have one gold. You know, obviously, at the time, he was just disappointed and a bit gutted. But, like, you know, just because I'd beat him, I didn't for one second thought that I would go out there and do the same. I'm pretty sure he didn't really think he was going to do it, even though at the time, you you know, you, you believe you're going yeah, yeah. to win every fight. But fair play to him. It sort of uh, catapulted his, uh, you know, his profile. 
Um, he was the hottest prospect turning pro and obviously that, that led to such an intense rivalry between me and him and build up for our fight as a, as a pro which was way back when for a British title but it was, it was, a, it was a massive fight and it was sold out of the O2 Arena and it was 2011 man 11 yeah it, it headlined a pay-per-view show on Sky when I know Nothing. Nothing. I don't think. I don't think there's been a British title fight to, that has done that since, unless Andy Joshua did it. But um, yeah, it was it was a big night, big big, big win for me. <laughs> and well, talk about that moment because, like I've just said, there the disappointment of Beijing, James goes, you start your pro career, and then this rivalry. I mean, you've been blessed to be involved in two really good rivalries of British boxing of the modern era, anyway, and that one being the first, and then for you to get the victory that night, which you'd already done anyway in the amateurs, but to do it in the pro game. That yeah. must that must have been some feeling. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, I was real tough. Like no one thought I stood a chance. You know, um, I think Boxing Monthly, you know, magazine ran a poll of experts, and <laughs> I think twenty eight of thirty picked Degal to win, and the two that picked me didn't like Degal. They didn't think I was going to win. <laughs> so uh, you know, he uh, he was it was it was a foregone conclusion that he was going to win. Uh, and I went out and I shocked a lot of people. You know, I fought on on a Frank Warren show, and I wasn't working with Frank then. He was so James was the hometown fighter. He was the A side of the card, uh, and I went out and I shocked a lot of people, which was uh, was lovely because uh, everyone wanted me to win. Just no one thought I could. You know, so uh, it was good to, to shock a lot of people that night, and uh, especially James. Uh, one of one of our greatest moments is. Uh, Jimmy Lennon Jr. announcing the, announcing the fight. He keeps the suspense going. He falls poor James. He thinks he's won. He goes to celebrate and he has to quickly recant. He steps back and then obviously I, I get the nod. So uh, a great night for me. I think it's safe to say a lot of fight fans will recognise you as being an incredibly mentally tough competitor. All the things that you've been through to get to where you ended up getting to is probably one of your biggest strengths. But was that night against James one of those that maybe just confirms your own personal thought process is that you are the top oh uh, yeah you know like um i uh I, I there was no doubt in my mind that i was going to beat james again you know uh not for one second you know and uh it, it almost infuriated me that no one else you know was on was on could, could quite, nobody's on your page that you i was already beat him like come on this is but um that was, it was a, a real where, do you think, where, do, where does that come from where does that mental toughness come from where, the, where does that confidence and that belief in yourself come from uh, um, because everybody I, has I, a ch- I, everybody yeah, has a little I, chink I, every yeah, now and again I, don't yeah, they yeah of course yeah. I think, I think it, can be, it can be engineered like I don't think it's sort of you're born with it you know you, you, you can you can become that become that person you know you, you just you know it if, you, if, you're, if you're sure of it it's uh, there's no there's no reason to uh to uh, deviate from from that thought process, you know, I prepare correctly, make sure everything is as as as, as perfected as it possibly can, and then you go out there and get the job done, you know. Mm. Uh, and at that stage of my career, that that was what I thought was the only thing that sort of mattered was like who wanted it more, you know, as, as, as my career went on. I realised that actually, you know, that doesn't always play the part. But um, in terms of having someone's number, you know. I, Unfortunately for James, I've got his number. Like mm. I will, I'll always beat him. Um, I know, I, I know, I know how to beat him. So it's one of those things. Were you not tempted to go again? No, you know, I, I uh, maybe rightly or wrongly, I don't know. But uh, I take, I take pride in the fact that uh, <laughs> I've retired at <okay. laughs> And there's a bit more. There's, a bit, there's but you, you're not gonna the, the gal fights out there, but fighting for fighting's sake never really made much sense to me. Um, you know, obviously, if if uh, 
there's, there's need be if it was a road back to something which it wouldn't be for me you know a fight for fight's sake right now mm. if I had if you know if, if I had won the super series and you know it was one more big blowout and then actually we could do Wembley Stadium like I'm finished on a massive win let's do that but coming off a loss a fight for a fight's sake just makes no sense to me mm. I'd let I'd leave that to James <laughs> he can fight you man hope for the best We spoke about one of your rivalries, James. We've got to speak about the other one uh, in Carl. This one didn't necessarily go your way, but I want to talk about that first fight because I still, I don't know about you, but I still have that feeling of of unjust about, <laughs> about that fight, you know, because I was there in Manchester. You put him down in that first round and it was on. It was on. Yeah, no, it, was, it was a big fight, a big fight for me. I had a lot going on at the time. I had uh, split with Adam Booth and I'd sort of, sort of gone it alone. Um, that that relationship was sort of, was absolutely dead. So it was like, right, well, I've still got this world title fight. I'm not going to blow it. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go it alone as such. So I sort of recruited uh, a makeshift team. We got together. We we uh, I got myself in f- great shape. You know, I was I was I was I was I was focused. I was driven. I was you know I had the clear intentions of you know going out there and, and becoming world champion. Uh, fearless again, and uh, massive underdog again, and I shocked a lot of people that night. You know, I didn't obviously didn't go my way, but um, you know, we, and we came pretty close. And Cole Froch, to his to his to his credit, was uh, was toughed it out that night, hung in there, and obviously got he got a fortunate he got a fortunate stoppage in my, in my eyes. An attempted jab from Froch takes the right hand. He's not throwing the jab with confidence. Froch, he's struggling with the range and. great fight and it catapulted you know me, me to uh, the highest level to, mm. to, to going on to, to make history you know in the rematch you know uh, with the magnitude of, the, of that fight so uh, you know both fights never went my way uh, one unjust one definitely just <laughs> but uh, at the same time you know no, no regrets as such because um, you know I set myself up for that I set myself up for for, for a grand opening or a grand failing and uh, you know I took my eye off, off the ball as such for a split second and uh, paid the ultimate price as I say you know, we were talking about earlier about James again about having numbers and you know always always knowing you're going to beat someone 
sometimes things get taken out of your hand that, that, that night in the rematch it wasn't about for me it wasn't about who wanted it more or you know anything like that it was like you play the ultimate price if you uh, if you make a mistake mm. at, at the highest level with that much uh, you know on the line and that much attention but it's also just another huge thing to contend with and overcome and make me a, a stronger person and a, you know probably a better fighter for mm. it you know well, this is it. Everything for a reason. He didn't want to take this fight, but he's been forced to take this fight. I think that's round one to me. Sky Sports box office and Wembley Stadium, it doesn't get any bigger than that. So to be given this opportunity, I'm sure George Groves feels exactly the same. It's a wonderful opportunity that we have to take with both hands. And you can see the confidence flowing from Groves now. The longer this is going on, the success is coming. Frotch digging out Hasborn those body shots. And he stays with it but catches another left hand. Digs in deep, sucks it up. That knockout at Wembley, it was devastating. And obviously, you know what fans are like? They like to jump on memes, they like to jump on GIFs and send stuff around social media and all that type of thing. To deal with that and come back stronger takes a special type of human being. Did at any point where you think to yourself, I might not become a world champion? Uh, at that point, definitely not, you know, because I was, um, I was still caught up in it. You know, it was a whirlwind after the first fight of, of the build-up of the, you know, just... Of, I was I was in my element, you know, I was I was I was salesman, I was fighter, I was this, I was that, you know, I was able to really uh indulge my creative side, you know, whether that be the ideas of Rubik's Cubes and I was putting together <laughs> I had a comic book design. Was I the bus this. your idea? Bus was my idea, yeah, man. by Duncan over in the corner. <laughs> so it was TFL's year of the bus. So I thought this is a great idea. We did a bus tour from Stanford Bridge to Wembley. Uh, yeah, <laughs> surreal. We're picking up anyone, anyone who fancies the journey on the way, give them a free T shirt. With pizzas, it was it was brilliant, and you know it, that but was the like entra the entrance at Wembley on the bus was just something else. So we had it? to fight tooth and nail to get that bus. <laughs> and know what I mean. But they can't health and safety. We don't care about health and safety. What is this? We don't care about that. We got the bus in. We had fire breathers. We had we had this. We had that. We had the laugh. Kasabian underdog. I was like, this is this is no. You can't beat it. It's and like then, WWE then, wrestling, mate. I, right? That was my in. dream. That was what I thought. I thought. Um, you know, I, I thought we're going to reinvent boxing and we're going to bring it to the next level. I say I was indulging my creative side more than ever. I was like, this is going to be fantastic. This was that, and that was just the, 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 you know, just that the, was just the, the start. The start of you what I had. Oh, oh, I had to win first, so that, so that every got, got put after that. But yeah, you know, uh, boxing ultimately was for me always going to be about entertainment, entertainment in the ring, but also entertainment out of it. Yeah. You know, and let's be a little bit different. Let's have fun along the way, and let's obviously try and be creative. How can we be a bit different? You know, and made history. It was, it was brilliant. And off the back of that loss, mm. you know, my career continued, and I know that. You know, I, if, it, if it was if it was just a run in the mill fight and I'd lost, then my re uh, my my climb back to, to the top would have been. Um, you know, a much steeper, longer but a, journey. But a, but a lot don't climb back. That's what that's the point I'm trying to make. Mm -hmm. Obviously, and then you've had the Barry Jack fight. Yeah. So you go to that fight there, and again, that's a fight that I think 
that you, you could have won. It was in your hands and it just didn't necessarily go your way with yeah. that split decision loss. So, yeah, I mean, Badu Jack, so, I mean, it was, I think it was 15 months after the, the Wembley loss and I yeah. had three fights in, in, in that time, that being the third fight and, you know, so that what came, like, thick and fast, you know, like, that was, and I, I describe it now as, you know, I felt oh, I was a world champion, just didn't have, I felt I was a world champion after the first fight, didn't have my belt. I thought I was a world champion after the second fight, and you know, but I don't know what it just got lost in the mail or something. Like <laughs> so now you just you need to just just hurry up and just win a world title, and then we'll be back on track. We're back on the path we we were supposed to be on. You know, stop messing around on this detour. Um, on the bus. Yeah, on the, I was literally <laughs> on the bus making wrong stops. You know, I was on the night bus. It was going nowhere. You know, so the drunken yobbos and that. But he, um, I fell asleep on the night bus and I missed my stop. So I fell asleep uh, almost literally against Badu Jack. Got dropped in the first round, got up and um, smudged my way to a, a, a split, split, split decision loss. On reflection, obviously at the time I was being told you're, you're cruising it, don't worry. Watching it back, it was close. I was never going to get that decision you know, against a Mayweather fighter yeah. in Vegas on a Mayweather undercard. So um, demoralizing for me. But again, like, you know, that sense of keep going, you know, kicks in, you know, that. Uh, so what felt like an eternity to, to work out, you know, what's next. Um, at that point, can I come back? Well, yeah, I was going to say, at that, that point, point you're thinking. At that point, you're thinking, right. Um, I'm going to open a coffee shop. Do you know what I mean? I don't know much about it, but I like coffee. That seems like a lot less stress. And then I was thinking, uh, well, where am I going to do it? You know, I'm going to do something. Actually, nah. Let's, 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 I'll tell you what I need. Let's, let's like restart, re reload, rebuild, re, re, you know, let's take, let's take it back. Strip to it all. Bars, yeah, and have a look and, and actually make some, some real choices. So, you know, um, I sat down with like literally the, the day after the Baddy Jack fight I sat down with uh, Paddy in the hotel room before we got on the plane I said um, that's it now uh, I'm not even sure if I'm going to box anymore but thank you for your time like I, I appreciate everything you've done thank you for coming out here and uh, like, part ways you know, obviously amicably and, uh, mm -hmm. uh, and then I wasn't sure if I was going to box but literally within a few weeks you, you realise well actually no you know you, you make quick uh, quick decisions and uh, as played the field a little bit had a look about see so he was about but then once um, by then I had a lot of respect for Shane which is uh, it just seemed to gel so good and I come in you know you got, I come to his gym he was in Wandsworth and like by then I had uh, I had a little boy you know I, I was really settled in in London and the decision to leave London was a possibility but not one that I really fancied doing Yeah. so I was sort of hoping that Shane would be a good fit but I walked into his gym and instantly just thought yeah, you're on my wavelength because he had this bit of equipment or he had this, you know, that. And all, it was literally what coffee? I wanted. Coffee? Coffee? I think I met him in a coffee shop literally <laughs> around the corner, butcher a grill before we did. So I thought, and, and he was drinking coffee every day then. I thought, ah, he's all right. You know, <laughs> I was anti-coffee, but now I'm in. Yeah, we hit the ground running because we, we, we had our first fight, I think, within seven weeks of working mm. together, which is a real quick turnaround yeah, yeah. for a fighter. But we started off at the right level. You know, we, we, we built our way in. You know, we took we took the bad money. We took the the last date shows. We were supporting act for Joshua at times. You know, which, you know, it's humble pie. It's a fall from grace. You know, he fought on my undercards, and now I'm fighting on his. And don't don't get me wrong, he's f he's doing fantastic. Do you know what I mean, he's he's the only one-sided pay-per-view fighter in this country there is and probably will be. Mm -hmm. So there's no disgrace in being there. But just from a personal point of view, it's like that fall from grace. Yeah, you got to be willing to take, push on, press on. 
um, even winning my world titles on a Kelbrook undercard um, but that didn't matter it was about becoming world champion fulfilling that dream When, when, when you've got Chudanov going in that fight, what's going on in your head? Because you've got him going and you're emptying the tank. What, yeah. are, you think, what are you thinking? Well, are you thinking, come on, mate, just go over. Go, yeah, just <laughs> go over. <laughs> yeah, he's not, not going to go down. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I'd walked, you know, way back when I fought Kenny Anderson uh, and, I, uh, and I was exhausted from the get-go because I probably had like, uh, an illness before the fight which I was you know, ignorant to back then because you're unbeaten and you're only 22 or whatever uh, but I was just knackered and then that fear of emptying the tank has always been there so I've always been that, that semi-calculated but at the same time been through fights where I've had people like Cole Froch on the hook and haven't got rid of him so at that point Chudinov it's a nip and tuck fight it's much harder than I actually thought it was going to be he was much better then he looks on TV, mm. he hits harder, he's physically stronger. And tough. He's a tough kid. Oh, super strong. Like, he was absorbing the shots, and but I was landing them, which was the comforting thing. I think if I wasn't able to land the shots, he was taking on the armor gloves, then, you know, anxiety might have kicked in. But I was landing the shots, the body shots. They were having an effect, but he just seemed to have a fantastic <laughs> recovery. He broke my jaw. <laughs> I, really, I had a big cut over, I think it was the left eye, it was blood pouring in my eye, and I never, ever dab away at the eye because... Mm. Um, you just give an excuse for the referee to pull you to one side and have a look but that even that fight I couldn't see nothing I was like oh well he's, he's too dangerous I can't let him swing away and I can't see him I think come the fifth round the fifth round was better and I felt like I was just starting to get yeah. engaged on the fight sixth round sharp right hand sort of momentarily stuns him and then yeah it's just let your hands go and for me which is the great thing was that at that point I had experienced you know, Example when I got Cole Fox going, it's right hand, right hand, right hand. Right, trigger happy with the right hand with Chudinov. You know, I put it together. It's like a, a Hollywood movie because I'm hitting with left hooks, uppercuts, this one, that. I literally every shot in the book. And uh, the sink went in. Wait, you wait, went you're waiting for it to go. <laughs> at one point, he sort of falls into me. I look at the ref. I was like, "What do you reckon? <laughs> Couple more?" Obviously, uh, no tell. Pull away, battle right. Job done. the lads they put, put together like a and a few, few of the other guys on, online you see the difference now you know uh, then I think I was 28 then the fourth attempt the uh, the atmosphere in the change room after Mate. it's just like oh well do you know something <laughs> I, I remember watching your post fight interview in, you were in the ring still and you'd just been crowned world champion and it was like the weight of the world had been lift up, lifted yeah. off your shoulders yeah you know it's you, you look like a totally different guy I mean I was I was exhausted but not just from the punching and the broken jaw and the rest of it, just from the relief to the pressure that came off the shoulders, just like, oh, you know, I'm just going to... I've done it. I'm numb from this, you know, I'm Absolutely. just going to enjoy this for a little bit. I don't really know what to do now because all I've known is the chase. Like, I've been on the chase, the chase, the chase for, like, forever, it feels like. So now I've got it. It's like, let's just have a break, shall we? Can't wait to get into bed. <laughs> <laughs>
Obviously off the back of that World Boxing Super Series, you know how it all played out. Fantastic form, you know, the form of my career, you know. Um, this tournament, as I said, has come along for me at the perfect time. I want to win this tournament. There's a lot on the line. It's a body shot that has done for Cox, and Cox was doing so well. He goes over now and congratulates Groves. Groves was in a real battle, but it's the body shot. He put him on his feet, he's counted out. There was nothing he could do, he just couldn't get to his feet in time. Nothing he has can outweigh the fire and the heat that is going to be brought down upon him. George? Um, yeah, well, we'll see, won't we? <laughs> we'll see. The time has come! The fight starts now! And you guys, we've got the upgrade at the moment. He's caught again by a right hand. And this is with a one-up trade. And now, Gross tries to go to work. decision, It's your third British opponent in a row. Where do you place Callum? How big is, the, how big is this particular challenge now compared to those you've had so far? In terms of in the tournament, um, I think it will be the toughest test yet. But I feel I'm in the form of my life and boxing better than ever. Um, I don't see um, Callum posing a problem for me on fight night. Obviously, we've got to be on, on our A game. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight we present Rowdy in Saudi. Oh, the action underway for you here on Talk Sports. Home of big time boxing. Will it be Groves? Will it be Smith? Oh, he's caught by right hand though and staggered. A right hand from Smith and Groves now under attack. He goes back onto the ropes, tries to fire back, but this is a good attack from Smith. Back comes Groves with a solid left hook off the rope. Right hand may be taken on the forearm of Smith. Good shot over the top from Smith. Fast right hand and Groves chin tested once again. Smith tries to cut the ring off. Just get through with a left hand lead, but again, it's Groves who's just a little bit busier. Now big left hand from Smith. Groves caught off balance. But he doesn't follow it up, Smith. Groves gets his gloves up high. It's a left hand that caused him damage that time into the body. Slow. And then a right to the body, and Groves is on court. Big left hand, down the right hand. And he's in trouble here, Groves. Smith's unloading. He's got him in the corner. Big shot. And the it. Oh, he's gone down. Groves has gone down. He's gone down in the seventh round. Big trouble. Trying to clear his head. Is he going to make it up? He's not. It's all over. It's all over. He shakes his head. He can't make it up. 
what I want to ask you is what's next because all that mental toughness has to be put to good use elsewhere doesn't it you know oh, yeah, you maybe know, like motivational speaking or something like that yeah so I put that like in the statement I'd, I'd like to I'd always want to have some something to do you know luckily you know I wasn't forced out of the sport I've chose to leave the sport and I don't need anything to fall back on I now want something to pursue, as I say. So, you know, motivational speaking, public public talking, you know, stuff like that. You're going to have to, mate, because your missus is going to kick you out of your house at yeah, some point. Yeah, you you're going to be under a feet, you're going to be all over them, you know. You've got to go and do something. Yeah, so, so that that is something that I've been sort of um, indulging lately. Uh, I've been meeting up with some guys, I've got some bookings as well, you know, so I'm going to give it a go. But like me, I want to I want to be the greatest. I want to be really good at it, you know, I want to nail it. I've got some stuff, but... You know, Are you going to come in on a bus? Yeah, well, <laughs> no, because that's been done. We've got like, much better now lined up. It's coming to 2019. We'll have uh, something, something better. I mean, it could be. No, I'm not going. <laughs> Don't reveal it yet, mate. Don't reveal it. Keep it on your app. So, uh, but yeah, you know, like uh, motivational speakers. It's a, it's a hard, it's a hard phrase for me to sort of get over, like um, uh, because you know. I ain't got a PhD. Like, well, how do I, how do I, how do I tell someone about? Mo- you got a PhD in life, though. But, You've been there and done but, it. Yeah, like hopefully, you know, even from the feedback I got, you know, over the last day since it's announced, people have been saying, "Are oh, you inspired me to do this?" And I'm hoping that I tell people stories and uh, and it might inspire them to to go on and do something great that they were well, having an about doing. Mm. You know, so. You know, I'll have to stay in the sport as well. You know, I'll be I'll be covering fights if they ever ask me to radio, TV. Absolutely, man. Guys, if you ever want me, and, uh, <laughs> you know, as well as um, Wasserman, who we're here now with. You know, they started taking care of fighters. They took care of me commercially to start with, helped me earn money without getting punched in the face, which was uh, you know, it's always a good thing. Absolutely a good thing, yeah. And um, but now that you know they're taking much more of a, uh, a proper management role, uh, which they did for me as well at the end of my career, you know that they negotiated my contracts for the World Boxing Series. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna come, come down here and um, start uh, imparting wisdom, <laughs> or at least hope to, one, and one. hopefully talk to some. So, you know, they got, they got a whole host of fighters at all different levels. You know, and then we're hoping now we can go and make us like a real a mm. real big success and, and you know bring bring on some some of the new talent and uh, you know help help fighters achieve their dream of becoming you know, world champions I'm sure they will with you in their corner mate just just one final thing and I think a lot of people picked up on this when you stared at me yesterday just your words towards Eddie Gutnick which was absolutely sensational you must for this is a very tough business as we know it is a very very tough business and for you to say those things and obviously still hold him in your heart off the back of the fight that you had it says a lot about you as a character yeah well it's, it's like it's um, you know when I when, when, when we box I, uh, I had my first son my wife my child was sweetheart which he, uh, I think my boy was less than six months old all of a sudden I become soft do you know what I mean and uh, that's you what know, happens when you have kids yeah right? exactly you know, I was waiting for that dad strength to kick in but I just got soft instead I was like ah oh. and then I was had the, the good neck fight and then he, he felt ill after which was just just really brought it to home that like you know my, my, my priorities had changed my perspective had changed you know and it's it's it, life in general but boxing in particular is, 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 can be a dangerous sport and uh, I sort of felt like even then like uh, get a move on now mate because you know you're not ready to leave yet but your days are as I say your days are numbered um, so maybe even since way back then I, I only wanted to box for as long as it felt necessary and uh, you know um, it's, 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 it's a sad brutal sport but he's a uh, you know uh, thanks for the fun man oh, thank you thanks, thanks for the fun thanks for your time 
My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 